hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes, and this is just that. This is our third week of bonus episodes um, in the month of October 2016, uh, where we've been doing all of our big horror blowout special. We're having a sale. Yeah, we're having a sale. Yeah, oh my god, it's crazy. <laughs> we've we've slashed prices. It's a monster of a deal. You see what I did there? It was creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you, those of you who have been following along this whole month, we've been doing uh, these bonus episodes. This is our third one. The first two were slasher films and monster movies. And this week's bonus horror episode, focused on genre, is found footage flicks. That is uh, what we're talking this week. And so, uh, yeah, just as we've been doing with the previous ones, we'll be kind of defining the genre. Uh, found footage flicks and then going into our own uh, specific picks that we wanted to make to to represent as far as how this goes and joining Abe and I today to discuss found footage flicks we have from Cinema Maxwell make sure to film his good side it's Maxwell Haddad how's it going everybody and from Why So Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast he always holds the camera steady it's Brandon Peters Hey, unlike uh, some characters in these films today, no one's going to question why we brought our mics with us the whole time. There you go. <laughs> How are the two of you doing today? Excellent. I am feeling repentant and positive. Exactly. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, <laughs> but yes, we are a good yontiv. We are uh, film- We are re- filming. We're filming this, guys. It's live. Did you yeah. see the cameras? It's great. Woo! <laughs> no, that's where Brandon Brett is. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a secret found footage. But no, we, uh, we are recording this. The Guys, uh, people need to see this. The, the, <laughs> going to want to know. Recording this on the night of Yom Kippur. And yeah, they're going to want to know. <laughs> Thanks, TJ Miller. Um, but we're... Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're ready to go here. And before we get underway with the uh, the found footage discussion, I will point out some of the usual stuff here. You can find um, the other episodes of these horror bonuses over on iTunes, where we, as I mentioned, we talk slashes and monster movies. You can also feel free to email us um, over at outnowpocketsatgmail.com. We actually got a couple emails uh, with your favorite film that you want to highlight for the genres we're talking. We got some emails concerning slasher films and monster movies. So if you want to email your uh, favorite found footage flick and you know brief description as to why that'd be great and at the end of the month i will be pulling all those emails together and the winner is going to receive some kind of prize just draw one at random so uh, be sure to do that oh. and chances are as abe has mentioned you could probably win yeah <laughs> so, you're, you're probably gonna win 70 percent off uh halloween candy the, the, so, chan- the chances are pretty well in your favor because the, we, yeah. we should get more emails but you know and yes, this is limited. This a copy, a copy of Ernest Scared Stupid. I actually have just it. Just in time oh, wait, for no, Halloween. I have Ernest Goes to Jail. I have Ernest Goes no. to Jail on Blu-ray. <laughs> so, just as scary. And um, <laughs> let's see, friend of the show, Jimmy O, who's been on with us the past two episodes, he was unable to make it tonight, but I will mention that his film, The Harvesters, that he produced, is going to be having a screening next week on the 18th in uh, L.A. at the West Re- the Regency Westwood Theater. So if you're in the L.A. area or you're just a really huge fan of Jimmy O, and you can fly out to L.A. and you can go and see that movie for free because he's he and a friend of the show, Jason Coleman, who also has unfortunately not been able to be on these, they are hosting a Flicks for Fans event for a screening of The Harvesters. Uh, and I will yeah. second that because I was very happy to have helped kickstart that film. There, there you go. So, yeah, that is going to be screened next week. I'll be sure to bring that up at the end of the podcast as well. 
Um, but for now, guys, let's uh, let's dive in here. Let's dive into found footage films. So as we've been doing, I guess the kind of the, the most effective way is to kind of establish a timeline surrounding like how this all came up. And it's, yeah, it, it's an it, it's an aesthetic that I guess became a genre. Yeah, really? It's I mean, it's it could be anything. Horror abuses it the most, but it's mm-hmm. not really a genre. It's just a style. Yeah, it's certainly right? lent, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, well, yeah, it's cuz it's lent itself to a, a variety like well there's there's monster movies, there's ghost movies, there's haunted house movies among many other things that have all part party movies. Is yeah, the the biggest of horror sure. shows of all. <laughs> but the, <laughs> they've they've certainly lent themselves, you know, the 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 aesthetic has lent itself to a variety of genres that yeah, obviously horror and the various horror subgenres certainly seem to lend itself the most to this or at least have made the most utilization probably cuz it's cheap. It's guess. cheap. That, that's where horror goes with. I mean, it's it's cheap. You can, but it's cheap. I mean, it, people think it's so it's easy, but as we've learned, it's it does take talent to make these films effective. It, I think it comes down to kind of editing, I'd imagine, because you get so much basically raw footage, right? And then you have to kind of compile it. Together. Editing and and good camera work. I mean, while it's yeah. supposed to be amateur, it's supposed to be amateur hour with the camera. You, it, it doesn't. I mean, you have to have some sort of idea where it's go, like where to send it, what it's doing, or you wind up with a mess. This is a a lot of times when you someone finds out a movie's found footage, or they talk about found footage, you'll get a groan, and people hate found footage just because there's a lot of cheapies. There's people with motion sickness who have problems watching these movies and stuff, but a lot of people have seen the bad or the, you know the super cheap, where it's just like, oh. But there, there are effective and good films with this, using this this motif. But there's a lot of bad out there that, you know, have people turning up their noses. It's probably akin to what a lot of people thought of the slasher films in the early '80s. Well, before we get kind of more into, you know, well, basically laying down a kind of a timeline of what started this and what kind of popularized the genre, I want to get to some kind of general thoughts, I guess, on the, on the, on the genre itself or whatever we want to call it. And I want to start with Maxwell since he's, you know, new to these horror bonuses for this week. Uh, Maxwell, do you have any like general thoughts on the, on this format? Well, it's interesting because as you guys were sort of saying, it's not quite a genre, but at the same time, I feel like found footage horror has in its own way become a genre. Certainly the style choice has been utilized for films outside of horror, but it's been <clears throat> used so commonly now over the last, I'd say, two decades uh, for horror films that it's sort of become its own thing with its own set of of expectations. You know, I think it can be effective for horror because what works in horror is the element of surprise. And so although filmmakers have cheated sometimes in very rote and obvious fashion, when it's found footage, you know, you sort of are supposed to blur the lines and blur the fourth wall and step into the reality of what's going on with the characters. So if they're getting scared or they're getting surprised, there shouldn't be too many obvious cues letting you know that there's going to be a scare. You shouldn't have like the ominous music, you know, you shouldn't have cameras pointing in directions to sort of trick you. So it works so well when it's done properly because you're right there with the characters getting scared as they are. Well, that's I want to get to Abe in a second, but that's an interesting thing you put out there, kind of basically rules in this genre, or you know, kind of an, an acceptance of what can be allowed when it comes to using a handheld camera, or what have you, because you, 
on the one hand, you obviously want to make a justification for why this thing exists, but you're also making a cinematic feature for the most part, so you want to be able to manipulate the setting, so to speak. So it's some film, you know, obviously something like like Blair Witch, which I'm sure we'll get to in deeper, larger detail. That's a movie that very much relies on you being there in the moment and believing that this is a thing that actually happened, mm. where certain other ones sometimes do take new take on new perspectives, such as like security camera footage or cell phones from like a different yeah. party that's not even connected to any of the characters, but you know, just a way to get a new angle or what have you. Right. Well, and that's what's what's interesting is as time has gone on, filmmakers have played more and more with sort of the rules of of the format, and have even you know put whether it be text in the beginning or voiceover or something, you know, letting the audience know we like we meaning the filmmakers quote found this footage and have assembled it in this way <laughs> to make it more effective for you the audience. Yeah. So it sort of blurs the lines. Like yeah, it's we found this footage. It was shot by these characters in real time, but we've edited it to make it more exciting for you. Because, I mean, most, it's not as if most found footage movies are, you know, like 24, where it's, you know, you're watching it as it happens. There's mm-hmm. edits, there's cuts. You jump from day to day to the things that are more exciting. Well, that's what gets, so it, that's what got me with, I, the, uh, with the recent uh, Blair Witch film, where there's the idea is that someone found this footage and like a, and a, and they say they assembled it together so it makes me think it's like who are these editors that have like <laughs> compiled this together where they they know how to edit to make like an exact jump scare work but they're also still like leaving in all like the jarring move arounds of the camera when they're turning it on initially so it's like what what was the idea when this supposed editor that cobbled this stuff together was like i'm going to make both a professional looking horror film but also leave just enough room for error to make it seem like it's like actually happened <laughs> yeah, yeah well, i mean Either you suspend your disbelief or you don't, you know, and that's yeah. how, you know, especially horror films work when you have ghosts or monsters, you know, you're already suspending your disbelief. So hopefully it's effective enough that you, you're you sucked in and you forget to look for the things like the cuts that probably wouldn't have happened or mm-hmm. the angles that a, a guy with a camera wouldn't think to get. Right. I think it it starts early on, like with the found footage, it starts with trying to sell people on a true story or that these are actual events, and then it moves. It kind of moves on to just just sort of giving up on that, but then having to justify why the camera's being used a lot of the time, or like over-explaining why someone wouldn't put it down. But then when you get just get the ones that did, just screw it, just this is what it is, it's a perspective thing, I think it kind of clears things up. I think that's kind of where most of them are now. It's just... Yeah. Well, this a, is the perspective. It's, like, a mix we don't... Of, it's a mix of perspective and like an understanding that technology has evolved. So why question if, if, it? <laughs> yeah, if people are gonna if people are gonna complain about why a guy was holding a camera during this scene where a zombie is attacking somebody, it, why aren't you questioning why a zombie exists? I mean, it's a, you're in a fictional movie. It's a perspective thing. Just you know, some the people who are gonna complain are gonna complain. So whatever. It's a bit of a tangent, but it's interesting how like the mockumentary style has also kind of become more of a let's just accept it without questioning a thing. Where you look right. at something like The Office, which very much intended to be like a documentary mm-hmm. um, that was eventually cobbled together into episodes or whatnot. But you look at something like Parks and Rec or even like Modern Family; those are shows that they utilize that format, but there's no reference to the fact that people are filming it or anything like that. It's just more, and it does oftentimes doesn't even make sense where like a camera will already be inside of an area where characters were not before. 
So it, there's like this weird, like, <laughs> well, why were they, were they anticipating? Like, it just, they don't seem to care. Even though I, didn't, still, I didn't think about that before, but you're right. Even though it's still it, like, goes, it goes from a gimmick to a storytelling device. Yes, cause yeah. but it's weird because there's, while there's never going to be any kind of reference to the fact that they're being deliberately filmed by people that are apparently in the room with them, there are like occasional glances to the camera or whatnot, right. recognizing that like there's a third person literally in the room with them. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> but yet, we'll never ever see some kind of like here's the modern family documentary that they made all you know all eight years that the show's been on (laughs) i mean a good editor yet it's i mean it's it's basically it's similar to that of a uh like real world or road rules thing but it's entire i mean while those were fiction it's i mean this is entirely intended for fiction yeah but it has that same sort of confessional attitude like you're saying it. it's, so a, sto- it's a storytelling of, device which is yeah it's a neat turn of events of how these things have evolved okay <laughs> to, to abe <laughs> abe i know we've talked about a number of found footage movies in the podcast uh, mm-hmm. a few, a yeah, few paranormals here or there and what have you and i i tend to think we kind of like these movies if, I, if i'm mistaken how do you feel about them i think for the most part that we uh on the podcast, we we well, I mean, we don't really tend to watch like uh, we watch the main releases of the weeks. Sometimes we don't catch all of them, but when we do review the main ones, for the most part, they're pretty good. I mean, um, there are a couple of examples of not great ones, but in yeah. on the overall uh, found footage itself, I mean, Brandon and and uh, Maxwell they both hit a lot of uh, points uh, squarely on the head, which is hey, yeah, it it used to be this perspective thing, and now it's kind of a, a subgenre of its own. And I definitely agree with Brandon when he notes that. Whenever I think of found footage, I think of all the shaky cam stuff. And now that uh, now that you've gotten to like some more modern technology, it does become a little bit. It does make more sense for them to have stability and uh, cleaner shots and whatever else. So um, while I do always, in the back of my mind, think, well, what's the purpose of them having this camera turned on and whatever else? Um, I kind of just go with it sometimes too. So it has come to that point where I'm kind of just going with it and throwing a grain of salt and saying, okay, well, I'll suspend my disbelief for a second, even though I'm always questioning like in Paranormal Activity 4, how does she get Skype to keep working if she's running away from her house? And like, that doesn't make any sense at all. The, the Wi-Fi in that out. neighborhood was fantastic. It's super strong. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like the strongest in the entire nation. They're, where were they? They're like she, in Valencia or something? They're, they're, they're like, in Nevada what? in the fourth Are one, aren't they? <laughs> In the fourth, yeah, they're in Nevada. That's right, they're in Nevada. They're like, you know, it's in city. The Wi-Fi is well, always working. Yeah. <laughs> the technology idea is interesting too. You know, as time has gone on, and uh, advanced technology has become accessible for the average consumer, that's definitely been reflected in these found footage films. Because now, as Abe was saying, you know, if the shots are beautiful or there's some stabilization going on or different devices like a phone or, or a GoPro or whatever, this is stuff you could buy. So it makes sense now that these found footage films are looking more and more professional because you could buy the professional, you know, grade video stuff at Best Buy. Well, you can look at something like this is not a found footage film, but like Tangerine, which is a fantastic looking film that was shot entirely on iPhones. Obviously, there's, Absolutely. there's a variety of accessories they use to help with that look that it achieved. But I mean, it's, but certainly... it's all, you know, cheap stuff that you could buy online or at a electronic right. store. Yeah. Or, I mean, even if it's just a subsegment of the movie in which you're watching, like, for example, in the shallows, uh, she gets some video of a GoPro, you know, like, yeah, the, he's got a GoPro and everyone can afford a GoPro. Most people can afford a GoPro. And it, it for, for the most part, stabilizes the, the image. So, um, as it goes along, it's pretty interesting just to see how they, how far they can take the genre. Because, I mean, we're hitting a couple of roadblocks of like, okay, well, everyone's got a smartphone, everyone has a laptop, yada yada yada. 
Um, so where else can we take it kind of thing? So well, it gets into the genre bending stuff, which I'm sure we'll it, cover. It's interesting you brought up the shallows and its use of like limited found footage because I also – I don't know if any of you guys saw Nerve. Yes. Um, but – Sort of what Abe was just saying, the way that it used everybody on the streets, different cameras to sort of collate and assemble following the footage of these people around. Obviously, the film is not found footage, but it was still an idea that made me think of found footage and made me think of how interesting it could be if one were to make this type of film assembled from just tons and tons of individual users phones and cameras because everyone has a smartphone now and everyone thus has a video camera in their pocket so Mm -hmm. everyone can be filming this stuff and put it together and just create this huge long story collated from millions of devices yeah very much so all right so i think we've done a good job of kind of getting some general thoughts and defining how it goes so let's let's get into kind of i guess the history that leads up to now of like where this found footage you know genre what aesthetic started and then get to our you know our picks uh i i think there's so it gets a little tricky right away because well i think it's it's easy to say blair witch was a blair witch pro the blair witch i gotta say blair witch project now (laughs) thank you yeah full title the blip um (laughs) um you know that obviously kind of that set up a lot of things to come. It's like a, it's it's like this weird midpoint now because there are a number of films before the Blair Witch Project, but the Blair Witch Project, you know, that was a high-grossing film that certainly put it more on the map with a lot of people. But from the Blair Witch Project, there was a long time it seemed before it really caught on again. But before that, you have a film like Cannibal Holocaust, which mm-hmm. yeah. pretty much is like the kind of the original forebearer of using this kind of uh, of a set, right? And it had the same thing with the Blair Witch of it uh, being real to where the director was even taken to court. Yes. Yeah. Murder. And uh, because he had the actors like part of their agreement was like, OK, you're in this film and then you can't, you guys need to move and not be in a movie for like a year. And and then they got t- they had to come out of the hiding to be like, <laughs> no, nope, we're, we're alive. It's OK. Yeah. <laughs> and that I mean, speaking of horror, that's a that's a movie you just want to like take a shower after have you guys seen this i've never seen cannibal i haven't no all i saw was eli roth's tribute to it (laughs) okay which is which is like sesame street compared to what cannibal holocaust that's what i've heard yeah so yeah if honestly if you see yeah it's it's just brutal it's really mean-spirited and gross and there's like just some really awful treatment of women in it and it's i you know it's pushing the limits and you know i find myself like numb and t- tame uh, like a lot of horror stuff because i've watched so much but that's a film that i just n- i have no interest in seeing again yeah so what you're saying is it's donald trump's favorite film God, probably <laughs> it's it you, you bring up something that's i think is interesting actually and it for, as far as kind of inherent downsides that come with these found footage films um beyond the motion sickness factor which obviously some people do seem to suffer from as far as just how crazy the camera gets versus what they feel like registering with their eyes on a giant screen. Um, there's the, there is a, you know, you mentioned meanness and there is kind of a, you know, with, with this kind of format, there's an unhibited nature to the actors being used because they're quote unquote acting, you know, normal or not, not necessarily, you know, trying to be realistic. And sadly, real, realism tends to, and especially in horror films, tends to lend itself to being mean and argumentative and very irritating and annoying as a character. Um, and I, it, I, th- I don't think it helps that, if I'm not mistaken, I think pretty much every found footage horror film has been directed by a man, um, and it, 
as I'm saying, as I'm saying, it just it, you get a lot of people attempting to do something that seems real, which tends to lean into the kind of the ugly, uglier sides of people in an attempt to, I guess, create a sense of drama before there's a payoff in you know the form of some kind of well. Well, with the found footage movie too, you got to realize like <laughs> once you start, you're going to a movie where before going in, you got to realize everyone's dead. So like you're just watching for like, the most part, yes. Yeah, for <laughs> usually, the most part, like, usually the case. There's a reason it's found footage because somebody it, it died filming found. it. <laughs> it. It's not shared footage. It's found footage. Uh, and, It'd be nice to see uh, one uh, of these movies where like it ends with like, guys, we found the helicopter. Throw the camera over there. We're out of here. And they leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of it too is I, I don't think one. I do and don't think that. Um, a lot of the actors in found footage get enough credit for trying to be just acting genuine, and a lot of the a lot of the dialogue in those movies is improv yep. as well. So you can't really blame a director, true for like, hey, play this scene out like this. So well, I, I can to a point when it there's certain. I mean, one thing when he's so, choosing the footage at the end of the day, the footage, too, yeah. and he is he did direct this to be. I mean, he shot that. and He's like, well, that's good. No, I mean, time to move on. Like, I mean. <laughs> The, the film I can think of directly that references is the first VHS film, which is mm-hmm. it's really mean. It's a really mean yeah. spirited movie, especially oh, yeah. the the wraparound segments, which is just a bunch of like bro got bro douchebags running around filming filming pranks, doing horrible things mainly to women. Like it's it's it is disgusting. Like it's a disgusting yeah. thing to watch, and it made me feel legit but bad. I think it's an interesting point that extends to the conversation about horror films in general, but particularly in found footage is that where's the line between what's scary and intense and horrifying and what's just like mean, you know, because there there are certainly some people and no judgment on them who like their horror films to be really sick and mean, you know, for me, I'd rather, you know, it'd be all scary and intense and fun, but not feel like they're just being mean for mean's sake. Sometimes, like audiences can like um, Heather Donahue in Blair Witch. I, I, a lot of people. She got like like nominated for a Razzie for that. Did she really? That was yeah, it. and and she and I think a lot of it was like, I think she did her character well. I mean, she was supposed to be this overambitious pe- person that you know led to her her doom and her actions led to her and her cohorts you know demise and you know she has a self realization you know, towards the final act of that movie of what she's done, and that's where we get that famous, you know, wet booger scene of, you know... Yeah, she won the Razzie but, for Worst Actress, and it yeah, was nominated for and, Worst Pig. I should remind I, people that I hate and a lot Razzies, of people so like that's no, that's Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't... I, I think they're worthless, too, but, um, but that's just showing, like, a lot of people hate her, and I think it, they hate her because she did her character so well. I don't think it was a bad performance. I think it was it just... Because you, some people think a bad performance is because you don't like a character. Like, like we were talking about um, Marcia Gay Harden in The Mist last week. But I could see people like, oh, I can't stand her, like, because she did her part so well. It's like it's not yeah. a bad performance. Oh yeah, that's a general like, horror trope we've talked about. I think every every week now, where you have kind of you have you have stock types and characters, regardless of how well performed they are, how well written the they people are. You love it's it's loved it's people you love to hate, not bad performance. Like, mm-hmm. There's a difference. <clears throat> But I and I see your point, and and well, I think as we get to our picks for the actual films, there's certainly a distinction to draw in as far as things that I find to be mean spirited or not worthwhile in some redeeming way versus what actors are really trying to provide in this unique sort of circumstance as far as a film goes. 
Yeah, like yeah. I mean the 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 male character is a Micah or Mika in Mika, the first part of activity. He's a yeah. he's a complete misogynist a hole. Like what? It, like that movie is just him tormenting his uh, fiance the whole movie. Like not listening, being a you know prick, and that's pretty mean spirited. If you watch it and check it out, it's that's what that whole movie maybe, is. Maybe that's what the ghost knew, and the ghost was like, "Fuck this dude, slice." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So moving forward in time for <laughs> yeah. Cannibal Holocaust, there's some other notable, or there's some other films here, but I think the, the next notable one is Man Bites Dog, which I've also never seen. There's there's also the the Faces of Death series, which <laughs> you know were mm-hmm. sold as they were sold as like real things, but a lot those, of those a lot of the videos fake? were fake. Those <laughs> were, yeah, there's a lot of fake stuff on those, and <laughs> and uh, I mean that could be thrown in with these because that was a, a trope of like 1980s video story going was daring. Daring yourself to like pick one of those up and watch it. Interesting. Hmm. I did not know that. Now that uh, now that I know that, uh, kind of makes sense. I mean, there's 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 stuff in there. there there's the the death ones, but then there's also it's mixed in with like uh, crime scene footage of like aftermath stuff. Yeah. Which yeah. some of that's some of that's real, but um, there, there's some <clears throat> death stuff in there that's been reported like completely fake. Gosh, I'm glad, I'm I'm upset. I've never seen those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no need to. Yeah, and so that... there's just a dare. I mean, that's all those were up there for. It was like, I bet if we put these out, like we'll get rentals for people going, ooh, you know, based on the box, based on just sure. what it's selling itself. It's yeah. never going to live up to that. But hey, you got that two dollar, you got that two to five dollar rental. Boom, money made. And that you know that is that that's essentially like. As we said, with like proto slasher films, it's like proto found footage films, right? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 And so we get through, we get up to these, and we, so we get up to Blair Witch Project, which uh, I think we just recently Phenomenon. talked about. Phenomenon. Since we, yeah, since we just we just yeah. talked about Blair Witch on the podcast, we have the Blair Witch Project. You know, big, uh, big. What surprise Sundance hit, um, built up a lot of hype, uh, got its release, became one of the biggest independent. Uh, films of all time the made kind of... the internet a huge player in selling movies mm-hmm. and yeah, interact- interactivity marketing <laughs> campaign for the Blair Witch Project in 1999 massive enough although still not enough to decrease the kind of the the value between how much it overall cost to do something like this versus how much it eventually made it's like that's like like that's a, a giant ratio between the two that still like stands really high right um i, I... yeah I think it's most notable, and I'm sure you guys talked about this on your your Blair Witch uh, podcast, is how many people at the time thought it was like real. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, mm-hmm. It was. It wasn't necessarily sold. I mean, it was sold as real to a point because that's how it was marketed. But it, you know, what it you could find out facts about the movie if you wanted to, I guess. But there were people that certainly did. From reading the newspaper, well, yeah. there was no Google News back then. But there were certainly people that bought into the whole idea that this was a thing that happened. Like, and, wasn't there like, like a stat that like forty percent of the people who saw the Blair Witch Project in '99 believed it was a real? Some, yeah, something like that. I think something like 40%. something crazy, yeah. And then adding to that, I mean, something that Brandon brought up too is some of these actors and actresses that you see in the Blair Witch Project. They either went on to do not a whole lot else, like they went on to just be regular uh, anonymous citizens, or they're just people that were really low key. They weren't. It wasn't like who was famous in 1989. Like it wasn't like uh, Jim Carrey was in a found footage movie, and it was like, wow, this they movie just, is they, crazy. They lucked out. They lucked out. The, I mean, the, the movie. It was the, the what happened with it was bigger than the performers with that movie. It oh, wasn't. Yeah. You know, they tried to they they tried to get Heather Donahue like to bring her. Because she was in some like rom com, 
yeah, or something there's a, after yeah, that. She, she just, had a few things, but yeah. It's, and and I, Josh I, Leonard, too. He was in some things. Josh but. Leonard's been around. I keep seeing, he's in a lot of the Mumblecore stuff. He's friends with okay. the, he's friends with the dupe with uh, Mark Duplass because he's, I've seen him. Okay. In, he was in Togetherness, um, the HBO series. He was in the, oh, okay. what, he was in Hump Day, which also starred Mark Duplass, uh, Duplass, du- Duplass. <laughs> Duplass. Uh, Duplass. Yeah, I mean, they, however you say it, he's he's worked the most consistently of the three. Uh, of the three, yeah, like they certainly. I think Heather know. Donahue's retired from acting. I think she came back and did like a couple. It's always sunny in Philadelphia episodes, but for the most part, she has some like other business or something she's running. Well, and, and I was reading interviews with Blair Witch coming out uh, from her because she was responding to a lot of stuff, and she was talking about how it was just it was basically because it was just too difficult to get work. Like people, there are a lot of studios that just weren't for some reason were blaming her and weren't very happy with <laughs> with the idea of the movie, and so it just was, became very hard for her to, to oh, know, do sucks. anything. It does. Yeah. Suck. I, <laughs> that's like being I, blacklisted. I, I met her one time. She's actually really tall. You wouldn't imagine, but really. Yeah, I'm six two, and she's like my height. Wow! Wow! <clears throat> I mean, even if the shoes were tall, she's still very tall. Like, <laughs> I would not have guessed that actually from watching the movie. But then that again, makes, I haven't seen it in like twelve years. That makes all of them tall, though, because they all seem to stand pretty. Yeah, they're all like that. Must be like all six six, and she's like six two. I don't know. It was, you know, it was just it. It seemed to come at the right time. That's true. You know, it was sort of on the precipice of you know, the internet being in everybody's home. So they were able to, whether 100% intentionally or not, trick people into thinking it was real. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a mix of those elements for sure, and that the 90s, and specifically, you know, the kind of these later years were a, a great benchmark for a lot of, like, uh, young younger filmmakers, a lot of um, idea, innovative ideas for where things could go, and this and this just seemed like another another one of those where it's like this is a unique oh. format presentation of how to you know, put sure. out both a horror movie and a marketing campaign for a horror movie, and it it paid off for the movie itself. The as we just discussed, you know, the actors didn't exactly coming like you know megastars, and even the Neither genre did the filmmakers. No, that's no. true. Yeah, it's only just now they, that they're starting to do kind of more work. Which uh, is the biggest? Uh, the so biggest. Surprising. The biggest star from anything Blair Witch has been Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah, from Blair Witch Two, Book of Shadows, or Book of Shadows, yeah. Cole, and which, Blair Witch which, as big as that phenomenon was, the Blair Witch managed to close the book on itself within a year and a half. Yeah, the, like no one, one cared after one, a year and a half. One rushed out sequel that is ambitious in what it tries to do. It's not very good, but it still has oh, uh, an idea. It, um, it, yeah, it's it's a sequel that hates the first one. Like that's what. Pretty much, pretty yes. much it was. And but not only does it close the book on itself, it pretty much closes the book on the genre for a number of years. There's there are some movies that have come out that well, it didn't take it didn't take off. Like it's yeah. it's like it's like six seven years later before before something happens. Yeah. So we, I mean, there's I I I, I see like a timeline of films here, but you know none of them I've. I think I've seen one of them, but I mean, none of them are like particularly notable. It's it's all like softcore porn parodies that came out of it, really. Like there's a, there's a good yeah. number of horror still. Like, because yeah, like Jim Wynorski, who's done like, you know, a lot of like like Deathstalker two, Chopping Mall, those type of movies. He he came out with a series called the Bear Wench Project, and that was like one of the more significant. <laughs> those were there was like three of those. That was one of the more significant like spins and found footage stuff that was going on. Granted, it's not ideal, like it's not, but like that's one of the few things. Like Blair Witch didn't really take it off it was the next wave that would take it off and the next wave i think pretty much began with cloverfield i mean that's mm-hmm. it, it's it's certainly the, you know the, one of the more mainstream versions of it because you have jj was producing a giant monster movie that just happens to be using that format but that's 
<clears throat> that really, you know, that in the next film, Paranormal Activity, those are films that really, you know, that that those are what kicked off the kind of the, the craze. Like you had the a lot of the two thousands were made up of zombie movies. It seemed like that was the way it was things were going. Well, yeah. Well, and speaking of zombie movies, shot before Cloverfield was George Romero's Diary of the Dead. Which yes, it was. Yeah. I want to. I want to. I, I always like to imagine his grandchildren shot that film and needed it sold, so he slapped his name on it. But um, yeah, that that, that film one... might that film might come up again. <laughs> we can, we'll, go, okay. we'll go over the timeline for now. But, but all right. But yeah, yeah Parrot, between Cloverfield and Paranormal Activity, you know, a lot, a lot stemmed from there, and you know, especially given par- Paranormal par- yeah, Paranormal Activity, much like Blair Witch, had a very intriguing marketing campaign. You had to basically so did like, Cloverfield. Cloverfield, yeah, they, did, they both did actually. Yes, you're right. Um, Cloverfield debuted like a mystery trailer a year before with uh, with Transformers. Uh, only yeah. to come out and be like, this is what this movie is. And, and you didn't know it was found footage until the day it came out. And you sat in the theater and were like, oh. Yeah. It, was, it, was it, it wasn't advertised like that. Well, it was wasn't advertised. I mean, you saw footage from the movie, but you couldn't exactly tell what, yeah, what, yeah. what, what the kind of the, the feature length of it was going to be. Yes, that's correct. Um, you know, Paranormal, that was a whole, like, I remember, like, you, like, vote. To, or like yeah like um try to get it to play try, in your try town. to get to play in your town so you go online and, and it like, only played at midnight yes exactly that was the thing too it only played at midnight which i think was a terrific way to go because that watching paranormal activity for the first time in the theater i had fun it was fun to watch it but it was when you go home at night at 2 a.m that's when i was like this movie's really effective because i'm thinking about this still right now um well, and I think I think another factor we didn't really discuss yet with these is like sound design on these is yep. hugely important and effective. Like uh-huh. they really, no matter you could be like the biggest tough guy in the audience, and and there's sound effects and stuff in there. It's going to make you jump no matter what. Well, it's just uncontrollable. The sound design in Paranormal Activity is almost unfair because it has that sort of deep rumble. Yes. Yeah. Underneath it, which is like scientifically proven to elevate your heart rate. Well, it's that. Oh, and interesting. I, and that, like you, you, you know, when that rumble starts, you know something's going. To something's happen. gonna happen. So, like it, it, <laughs> it takes away. It, it manages. To, it basically cheats its way out of having a score because it, it gives you a, a very big clue that it's like, okay, ghosts are around. So be prepared right. for right. that. Which but is, I feel like the first time you watch it, at least for me, you don't even notice that yeah, rumble yeah, is sure. there. Exactly. It's yeah, so I, subtle. When you go back, if you watch it a second time, and I think more so in the sequels, which yes. I'm sure we'll get to a little bit, mm-hmm. it's more obvious. Yeah, that's certainly. I caught on to that, you know, as the movies were going on. It's like, okay, now it's scary time. Even the, and what's neat is even though you know something has to happen, you're not, you don't know what it is exactly. So it does work. Like it's I, feel, I feel like in the sequels, I sort of like went to the theater with a magnifying glass, like I'm going to examine this frame and find out where this spooky <laughs> shit is. <laughs> Well, the that's I mean, okay, I'll, I'll hold off there because yes, these movies will come <laughs> <Sorry>. back. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so as yeah, so we're talking about paranormal activity. Obviously, those movies took over for you know a good chunk of years right there. We had basically yearly installments in the in the same, at, while at the same time the kind of the Saw franchise was fading out essentially. I'm still surprised they never made a crossover. <laughs> yes, <You could've. laughs> that's happening soon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. And so, you know, we move, you know, there's from there, there's not a whole lot of, I guess, uniqueness as far as this goes. There's just a lot of different entries at this point now because of the floodgates getting open for various found footage movies. Some are successful. A lot aren't. A lot are widely despised. Um, I can think of uh, The Devil Inside as a key example where people audibly uh, groaned um, because of how that movie ends specifically and because it's just, you know, not good. Frustrating uh, is 
the way. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're trying to, you know, we're focusing on horror, but obviously there's a lot of other kinds of films that come out in the wake of this popularity, such as Project X, which we uh, kind of alluded Scarier to. Scarier than anything we've talked about. So yes. <laughs> uh, Chronicle. Um, uh, end of Watch is end of, end one of I want to know. It's not, yeah, it's not a... Yeah, that, it's not a horror movie, but I mean yeah. that's one of the best found footage movies. Yeah, I'd argue like, it's David Ayer's best film. I I'm, yeah, I'm not a David Ayer fan, but I like that movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I um, think it's his his best uh, film he directed. Directed film, yes. That was oh movie. yeah, yeah, directed, yeah. Actually, what's better? <laughs> I'm trying to think of what Training Day. I'm trying to think of what he's been involved with. Yeah, I think Training Day is better, and I did like Fury, uh, but maybe he, did, he not directed as... he directed Fury. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, I'd put the, that pretty close to end of watch, but again, the the way it uses found footage as a format for something non-horror felt mm-hmm. unique and and mm-hmm. and uh, well done. For sure, um, it allowed to really get feel at least more authentic. I remember David Ayer wrote Fast and Furious. So. Yeah, he but also that, that's like Suicide Squad. <laughs> The fact, I mean, his Fast and Furious is like the is bit what like the fourth, fifth best in the franchise. So I don't really care about. Right, true. <laughs> Which one did he write? The first, the first one. one. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, there'd be no Dom Toretto without him. So props, I guess. I, yep, I guess so. Family. Is there any? I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else notable in this kind of genre that leads us up to now that really distinguishes distinguishes itself from, you know, kind of where things kind of took off. No, not yet. I mean, we're still waiting on the whole entire uh, children's movie found footage, but Blue Sky doesn't want to do that yet. I mean, I well, I, I mean, well, Surf's Up is more of a documentary. It's not Surf's Up is more of a documentary. Yeah, it's not it's documentary. Not footage, yeah. yeah. So it With there's, um, there's the 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 remake. It's not found footage, but it plays like one. Is the the remake to Maniac with Elijah Wood? Yeah. Okay. Where well, it's, that, it's, it's first, first, first perspective. Person, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's no camera work, but you follow his first person's perspective, and it's very much, you know, that plays like a found footage film. Yeah. Um, and I guess I can, you could, there's some notable directors have gone into it, like, uh, what was it, The the Bay? Barry um, Levinson, yeah. Barry Levinson, M. Night Shyamalan with The Visit most recently. I mean, you have some directors that are you know trying to take up like what it could what it could provide there's some others that i think will probably come up on this list so i don't want to go too far but so let's get to it let's let's get into it then guys let's go into our our picks um for uh what we want to spotlight out so as i've established as i've you know been saying in these past couple episodes the the list that we have here we're not ranking these things or at least i'm not personally and i'm not like Picking yeah. out interesting ones to talk. Yeah, these aren't necessarily our favorites in the genre, although I think the ones that I've picked are probably my favorites in the genre. But um, the the um, we just kind of want to go through each of us what we what we have to what we want to put a spotlight oh. on for these films. So uh, let's uh, as usual, let's start with Brandon. <laughs> All right. Well, you want you, uh, how, how would you describe how you went about putting together your list and then uh, go into your first one? I, I just was. Mainly ones I liked. Um, I'm not. I'm not a hater or detractor of found footage, but sometimes you got to be in the right mood when you know it is to, to watch it. For me, um, there's plenty I, I like. I'm a big Cloverfield fan. I saw that three times in the theater. Uh, but like, I don't know. Just ones I felt strongly about with found footage. I feel like the rewatch value is not really strong. Like you, you see it the one time and that's it. So I picked some that I can and have watched maybe more than once. Yeah. 
because a lot of them, it's a quick hit thing. Once it's through, it's done, and you don't want to sit through that found footage again. Uh, but uh, my first one is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, it came out a year before Clover, or, uh, before Cloverfield and Paranormal Activity uh, is um, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a fake documentary about a, a guy who's uh, trying to be the next like Jason Voorhees. And uh, Michael Myers type guy, it's it's fantastic. Like it, I had it in my slashers to talk about. It. I was like, oh, I can talk about it in found footage and talk about another slasher I like instead. But it's uh, quite terrific um, as you chronicle through a lot of tropes. It's it's basically what Scream did in the '90s. This this could have been the extension for it in the OOS. Um, they, they they go through a lot of tropes and and stuff with it and you learn a lot about you know these movies but they they have like it's got a cool a good cool cast and uh robert england's in there and he plays yeah. like the dr loomis character mm. it, it's one of my favorite robert england roles because he nails it and he's hilarious you know he plays it straight but it comes off hilarious but the movie does you know balance really well like actual comedy dark comedy horror gore and like suspense perfectly and then you know, there's like a little twist to how the the film finishes out, but it's 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 terrific, and I've I've watched it multiple times. They they seem to want to get a sequel off the ground, but I I really don't think that the film needs a sequel. It's got a, a neat little mask and villain to it, but I think it only works for this one time around. If if you do another one, it's just a straight slasher film. I think the this film has managed to come up in each year that we've done these horror bonus episodes so far from you, and I've still yet to be able to see it. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah, um, that was going to be one of my picks. All right. Uh, <laughs> as well. I, I actually saw it in theaters. Um, I, I just remember, like, reading about it online, and it sounded really cool, and it, it, it is as terrific as Brandon advertises. It's sort of a blurs the line between found footage and documentary, but I find it really clever and smart. And also pretty scary, too, and it just, like, gets at all the tropes of slashers and found footage. And what's interesting is it comes – it came out before so many of these more prominent found footage movies do. Um, and the lead performance, I mean, by Nathan Basil is just terrific. I, I'm shocked he hasn't gone on to more things. Yeah. I, I think I think well, the thing with uh, behind the mask is that it was overshadowed that year by Hatchet was getting all the oh. all the hub, all the hubbub <laughs> about like, it. I don't as like a Hatchet. To slasher. <laughs> I don't like Hatchet at all. It's it's a, much better than Hatchet. I no, would... it's, it's 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 way better than Hatchet. And I and I'm someone who you know has fun with Hatchet. It's not a film I revisit, but behind the mask is leaps and bounds above it. It's much more clever. <clears throat> all right, Abe. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, the way that I went about my list was like what Brandon did. I just kind of chose movies that I generally liked uh, with the fan footage uh, uh, style. And um, the first one, a lot of the list that we've, a lot from my list that we've already talked about. Uh, but for the for the first one, it'd be Paranormal Activity three uh, specifically. That's online. Yep. Yeah. And the reason why is uh, I think it was a little bit more fun than one and two when it came out, uh, and also. Uh, for the, I definitely enjoyed the way that they set up why they have so many cameras, uh, where they're placing them, and the scare is a little bit more effective just because uh, you kind of get some uh, some semblance of seeing ghosts on the uh, the screen. But um, 
again, Paranormal Activity 3, the, the boyfriend, this is like back in the 1980s when the two girls are, are very young, and the boyfriend is, he's like some video geek, so he has all this equipment around the house, uh, which makes sense, and then he just wants to record it because he thinks something's going on. And I think one of the best things that he does about it is he puts it on the the uh, oscillating fan. Yep. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Amazing. That, yeah. Well, the reason why is because the tension builds up, and that you know that the fan can only go so far at an angle, and then it has to go back the other way. And so um, there's just so much tension in that scene, and and the payoff is pretty neat. It was something that uh, uh, I wasn't expecting, but also it was just uh, again. Um, Wow, they're they're you kind of uh, don't really have to guess anymore. I mean, you sort of heard things in one and two. Uh, I think three is where you kind of really saw some some figures or you know some shapes, uh, which was pretty cool. So, Paranormal Three, I enjoyed. It. I also really enjoyed the uh, the high schoolers that snuck into the movie and then left like like a third of the way in, and everyone was kind of just laughing at them as they left. Brandon's so. talked about. Um rewatchability and paranormal activity three is certainly one of those for me. It's one that I, you know, especially for this series, which I, I largely enjoy because it's a weird thing. I like the paranormal activity movies, but they're not ones I'd really need to revisit because I I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm just getting a dose of what the story is, which is what I admire. They'd be very, well, well, most of them never leave a house. So you're just like stuck at this boring house, like all the time. Yet somehow over the course of what, six films, they've crafted a, crafted a, a level of continuity that I, I was very curious at each time out. And with Paranormal Activity 3, it both adds to the mythology <coughs> as well as to developing a very intriguing filmmaking style, which I think is a huge credit to the, the Catfish guys, Henry Juiced and Ariel Shoulder. Right. They yeah. brought them in for yeah. this round, and suddenly like the movie, it's the most cinematic, compar- it's more cinematic compared to the first two, but it's like I, I stopped caring about the like the setup of like this is why this exists and we found like who cares I just want to see this movie and what it's going to do differently and it managed to do a lot differently and do it very effectively. Right. Uh, I it, think I think what's great is <coughs> at it at its best found footage you know invites you in to make you feel like you're there with them but you're also like tied to a chair and helpless to do stuff and that oscillating fan scene is, is like perfect a perfect example yeah. like no, yeah. no 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 don't go that way don't go that oh no no like because you're you're on on edge because you're helpless you're it feels like it's your point of view but you're helpless to do anything <clears throat> right and 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 to mention the catfish got catfish actually has some really suspenseful stuff in it yeah before especially no, when they especially when they start driving out to the house well yeah it's yeah when they well, drive because... to the house in the country and then when they're in that uncomfortable situation with that family like well, I, you never I, know what they're gonna do i forgot to bring that up actually as far as the kind of timeline of these things go but i mean it that that is a it's not, you know, it didn't make a ton of money, but it was certainly significant as far as another example of uh, advertising campaign. Because that's a movie where, unless people told you in advance, there was no way to know what that movie was going to be. And it certainly capitalized off the semblance of being something horrific that was going to take place based off how those ads played out. Because they, they show you up to a certain point something that's going to happen before you really – and it got, it got me into the theater. And yeah. another uh, instance of is it real or not? That was like the right. next level yeah. of okay, these these people and no one died, but which I still think we don't know. I don't think we have the answer. They won't. <laughs> no, they won't. They won't, they won't admit to it. <laughs> yeah. It's not real. I don't know though. I think that... I mean, those people, <laughs> those people, they visit like it. Like it, wow. it became very sad I, at that point. I I, mean, I, I like, think wow. it. I mean, this is a whole other discussion, but I think it's real to a point. Yes. And then you have to ask what manipulation did the filmmakers put into it to make it more engaging. Mm -hmm. Um, One other interesting thing about Paranormal Activity, and this reflects back to Blair Witch Project, 
Oren Pelly, I mean, I expected him to become like a notable director, and he uh-huh. hasn't done anything. Yeah, he did. He made that one film, Area Fifty One, that nobody's actually ever seen. I so that that's but so I saw I saw Area Fifty One with um, Tall Ken, friend of the show, um, way back. Um, when, when did that movie actually come out? It came out of two. I think we saw it like in two thousand and ten or eleven uh, when they shot it, and it took uh, apparently, apparently it took a really long because it finally came out last year. Uh, just like kind of got dumped on Netflix, and I haven't watched it again to see what differences they made. I've read some Wikipedia stuff that suggests that they shot a lot of that film again, but it's like, yeah, I don't know what. And like watching it is like, well, this is fine. It's, it was nothing revolutionary at the time, but it was like, all right, this is it's another you know found footage movie. I don't know what it was that like made that movie get like pushed and prodded around and then eventually dumped. It's like I I don't, I don't know what what why it got treated the way it did. But yeah, I, you know, you look at Oren Pelly and yes, I agree with you, Max. So it is, you know, he create he created paranormal activity and then basically did you know nothing really for with it. He just he produced a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's produced a lot of stuff. That's just not where I would have expected his career to go. I guess. Yeah. Maxwell, what, what's your uh, first pick, and how did you go about with your list? All right. Um. So I kind of felt like there were more obvious picks that would either be discussed in the beginning or in, in your guys's selections. So instead of picking my favorites, not that I I don't like I like all the ones I picked. I tried to pick a few ones that I didn't think would be mentioned as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is Creep, which okay. is um, I'm sorry. I said uh huh yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, so Creep is, is sort of part of the, I guess people call it the mumblecore movement. Um, it is produced by and written by and starring Mark Duplass and Patrick Bryce. Patrick Bryce directed it, and, of course, Jason Blum produced it because what horror movie of the last ten years didn't he produce? <laughs> um, have any of you seen Creep? I have not. I mm-hmm. have not. So it's interesting. So it played at uh, uh, South by Southwest and then mostly went on demand and then onto Netflix, so it, it didn't really play theaters. And although it's a horror film, it's very – it's a slow burn, and it's more of a like a two-hander. You have two characters, one played by Mark Duplass who hires a videographer to come film him throughout a day at his house, in the woods near his house. And as time goes on, things get increasingly strange mm. and then eventually creepy. Um, so it, first of all, it has a perfect setup for why the camera's there and why it's being filmed. And second of all, as opposed to traditional found footage films where things are very shaky, where there's a lot of running and chasing, or you know, there's a lot of still shots with you're sort of trying to see what's going on, this film has a very natural ebb and flow to it. It's very dialogue-based between these two guys. And it, I found it so captivating and such a unique use of found footage. And now they're making a sequel, which is very cool. So I, I, I do uh, recommend it for... What is a horror film and is found footage, but probably, if not the, one of the most unique twists on the possibilities of the format, Mm. just because it's so much slower paced and it's more about the psychological drama that unfolds between these two guys. And I believe it's still available on Netflix. All right. So need more of a bonus. And it's only like, it's not even 80 minutes long, so it's a quick watch. Most of these are. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they found, to be. found footage films you, are good at not overstaying their welcome. 
if you're if you're if your film's over eighty minutes, you better have a reason for being over eighty minutes. <laughs> and most of them, ten minutes of it's the credits to these slow credits to hit it, get it to feature length. Yeah, a lot of them. <clears throat> so, um, my list is, I I did basically lean on the ones that I just really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to look, I'm looking at my backups to see if I like any of these more than the ones on my list. Well, there is one that I chose for a reason. Um, but the first film I do have is Cloverfield, um, which is, you know, an obvious pick and we've talked about it a little bit already, but Cloverfield I've described before when we were talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane, I think Cloverfield from 2008, um, from, um, uh, uh, Matt Reeves, Matt Reeves. Yep. Yeah. Matt Reeves, director yeah. Matt Reeves. Um, and written by Drew Goddard. That's right. I was like, who wrote it? Okay. Um, I think it's something of a modern, uh, modern classic. I, I think yes. it's, yeah. I, I, I think it, in addition to just being very entertaining, I think the kind of, u- it's unique marketing strategy, the presentation of the film, the idea of making a, a basically a kaiju monster movie, uh, from this, uh, you know, perspective, mm-hmm. um, the use of basically, there weren't non-actors, but a lot of you know up-and-coming actors at the time. the The whole thing felt incredibly innovative, and in addition to that, it's just it's it's really well done. It's pretty fantastic. Watching the the behind the scenes on this, there's an amazing amount of effort that went into kind of the effects work and and other and a lot of aspects that you just really can't tell because of how authentic the film tends to feel, despite the fact that there's a giant monster rampaging through Manhattan. Um, I I, I think it, it you know it's it it can be scary. It's thrilling. It's entertaining. It's funny. It, it has all of these things going, and it's a pretty fantastic nine eleven parable. I mean, there it 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 has you know it has this kind of it's about something aspect to it that adds to what I think is already a pretty terrific monster movie that happens to also be shot in you know this the the ultimate version of cinema verite style, okay. um, and uh, yeah, I I I've watched Cloverfield numerous times. I I love kind of digging into the mythology of it, what a little of it there is based off the kind of the, the websites that they set up for it, the the audio stuff that they kind of mixed into things, and the, the all the various clues that lead to other kind of J.J. Abrams-related projects and stuff like that. I think it's just a, a, a kind of a masterful approach at making a, a film event out of, well, basically out of the internet and turning that into this kind of, you know, a, a blockbuster movie. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And, and that mon- and the Cloverfield monster was incredibly influential as every alien or monster in film for the next five years would look exactly like it. Mainly because they're all in J.J. Abrams-based movies. Between <laughs> like, <laughs> Super 8 and Star Trek. Cowboys uh, and Aliens. Cowboys and Aliens. They all seem to have the same kind of like aquatic slash lizard slash frog monster thing going for it. Yeah. yeah, and I think the other thing that I really liked about Cloverfield was uh, the way that they set up the world so that uh, you knew that something had happened to the world or to this place in New York, uh, Manhattan specifically, and that's why it's like, well, we can't go to like live footage right now because <laughs> presumably this monster has destroyed all of uh, Midtown or, or Downtown. So we're using all this uh, archive footage to show you what is or, or happened, which was, I thought, a neat concept. And they have great sequences that don't even involve the monster, like the the, uh-huh. the sewer tunnel or the the subway wow. tunnel sequence is that gives me chills all the time. Yeah. And then the rescue in the apartment building, yeah. uh, that one's great too. I mean, it's it's I, the suspense in that movie. It just oh, it's yeah. I mean, I was sure someone mentioned it, and to me, Cloverfield is pretty much the pinnacle of found footage thriller right. slash horror films. I mean, I think it does everything 
like the best it possibly can. Even the characters are really likable and relatable and you care about them, which is a big issue with a lot of found footage films. That's true. And who would have thought that if everyone in that movie, TJ Miller would yes. become like the right. biggest star. TJ yeah. Miller and what, Lizzie Kaplan are basically like the biggest stars. Yeah, I mean, movie. I feel like Lizzie Kaplan was already kind of a thing, but I mean, TJ Miller is like a huge comedy star now and it's just fun to go back and watch it. And like, you don't even see him that much, but his voice is so distinctive. Well, he's, 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 he's also the guy that I root for in the movie. Like, I was like, oh no, please don't anything yeah. happen to TJ. Can we just, if I'm not mistaken, isn't the character's name HUD? Yes, his name is HUD. Like, yes, that's, HUD. that's so clever. It is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, heads up display. Heads up display. Uh, yeah. yeah. His name is HUD. Yeah. yeah. Really, like, like a, a like a nerdy little joke they threw in there that I appreciated. And you mentioned, you what... you, Brandon, you mentioned before, like the idea that you really didn't know what it was until you sat down in a the theater. The movie is basically a love story. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's about this guy who's trying to get back to his girlfriend in the midst of all this terrible thing that's happening, and it, and the footage intersperses between that and the date, the, like the first like date they went on in Coney Island. Like, it's it's very yeah. clever and has this kind of sentimental uh, string that runs through it. Which was actually the day that the monster floated, like, fell in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very at the very end, yeah. You see a little thing that splash. If you if you're if you're into the movie enough, like me, you you start, you, yep. you 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 watch this little splash <laughs> that happens in the background. It's like, oh, there, that's when it starts. Like that. I'll yeah. tell you what, that movie. You know, I would like to talk about movies that have those, like like you know, seeing like the Jurassic Park at the theater the first time or Batman and stuff. This movie had a moment for me that was like right up there with it, and it, you know, it was I saw it the the Chinese opening night. It was my birthday actually when it came out. And yeah, a, a big group of friends. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and uh, it's one of the best January movies ever. Um, so <laughs> we're, it was the scene where they ran across, where the military came in, they're firing, and they're going across to go down in the subway. And as they're going past, like, the camera waves up, looking our first shot of the monster, and it's just, like, all-consuming, like, holy crap! Like, it's so huge. So you feel so in the moment, and it's just, like, this big moment that you can only get at the theater just that feel and like that yeah every time i saw that movie just that moment where they ran by the first time and the camera swings up to take a look at every like the what the monster's doing is <clears throat> shocking surprising and you almost want to duck for cover in your seat yeah and talking about found footage filmmakers matt reeves has certainly gone on to have a very impressive oh, yeah. career in addition mm-hmm. to his let the right one in remake which isn't half bad his, his apes movies have been pretty uh, or his ape movie and upcoming sequel the the war yeah. for the planet i like that they got rid of the ofs they're having two ofs yes. now it's war for the planet of the apes <laughs> instead of yeah. war of the planet of the apes but uh yeah he's uh certainly made a, quite a name for himself a long a long way since the pallbearer from X, from Matt Reeves. <laughs> but, uh, and, fel- <laughs> and felicity <laughs> and felicity uh, brandon what's your next pick um uh, my next pick i'm going to go uh, let's just talk about Wreck. Uh, one, yes. and two. One, one and it's two. On list, both, both are on my list. <laughs> yeah. I yep. think these might be shining examples of like the best found footage films mm-hmm. possibly ever. Like it, they at least have both have a place in the top five. I would think there's some about there's some there are movies I recognize probably as maybe some of the scariest movies I've ever watched. Also, they're very scary. I love how they work in tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. It's. I mean, basically, the second one goes in for more, but feels like different, new, um, like almost side quillish to the first one, and it uh, it's just effective. The lighting in this, the the attacks, and the, just how genuine these 
these films feel is what is what works for. I mean, they're they're a complete fantasy, and you know, with all the other found footage, but the the setups of them and some of the characters you just you know you buy into, and they have like a unique. Uh, the, the first one, you know, it's the news camera. That's what it is, and then they like a, they double a down clever the sequel does. One. They double down. You have SWAT team cameras uh, to go through, and I mean, it's this possession. It's building mythology in it. And I just, yeah, it's just, they're freaky. They just yeah. get under your skin. I mean, <clears throat> and I don't know why when you would remake it for America that you would put the ending on the poster and in the trailer, but they do. Uh, Although the remake's not t- half bad. Yeah. I, 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 actually, I actually don't mind the third one where it's only found footage for like the beginning I still yet to watch. Is that the wedding it, one? Yeah, it's the wedding. Yeah, it becomes okay. this goof. It's a silly little. Yeah, it has fun. Horror yeah. movie. It's fun. The fourth one tried to go back to things, and it wasn't found footage. It just kind of sluggish. It's the end of it, and it's just like, okay, yeah, it's done. But I, it's funny how lesser the series got when it went away from found footage. I've yet to watch the fourth one, and I've, I know it's been on Netflix forever. Also, right. <laughs> I guess still yet to watch it. I haven't seen three or four, but but yeah. but Wreck One and Two, yeah, those did a yeah. number on me as far as what they got. Those those were scary movies to watch, <laughs> and just the in addition to kind of the the because they're like they're fat. I haven't watched them all. They're fast zombies, right? They're fast moving. They're like possessed people. people. I don't they're, know if they, yeah. they're like they're possessed is is what it is. Yeah, which the, basically they act like zombies. Yeah, but they're like they're fast ones. So it's so they're like, oh yeah they're, they're moving all around, but it but they kind of the ending of those movies. There's this kind of there's a being that exists that's just terrifying right. because yeah. of this. Oh, the, yeah. use, the use of darkness and night vision, it just makes it just incredibly scary and very effective. They, also, they do a lot of good work with, like, figures in the shadows. Like, there's a lot of scenes in those movies where they'll walk into, like, an apartment, and there'll be, like, somebody just standing there at the end of a hall, and you're like, oh, just leave. Just leave the room. <laughs> but I also find the fact that it's in Spanish, like, sort of heightens the whole thing. Because not only are you like immersed in this scary found footage world, but what you know dialogue there is, you have to like read the subtitles and figure it all out, and makes it like a whole other layer to it. Mm-hmm. For for me at least, I don't know. If... And it's like while your eyes are venturing down to the subtitles, something could attack you. While you're yeah, it, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and Rick was also on my list, and what I really liked about it is again the setup of the uh, whole entire scenario, right? Uh, okay, well, there's something that happened to this apartment building, so we have to uh, close it off. There's a camera crew in there because they were going to do a story on somebody there. There's also a little girl who vomits blood, uh, and then there's well, they're doing a, a story on the fire department who gets yeah, called like there. So gets, they yeah, like, yeah. hey, let's go on a run. You can go right. on a run with us. And <laughs> then there's the great mythology of like, well, don't go up to this one room because we don't know what's in there. And I think that that all leads up to, including the fast-acting zombies, like what Aaron pointed out, that all leads up to so many kind of genres into this one found footage movie where it's a pretty good, effective uh, found footage movie. And in general, just a, it's actually a well-thought-out movie. So it definitely made the list. Yeah, between between The Raid, Redemption, Dread, and Wreck, you have a great trilogy of like <laughs> yes. inv- invading apartment movies. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Abe, what's your what's your next pick? It's another one we talked about, uh, and I wasn't sure if you guys were going to bring it up, but I'm glad that you guys did, which was Chronicle. Uh, it's uh, this movie where these uh, three high school friends, they go discover something deep down in the cave, and they become Power Rangers. Uh, so that's what uh, that's what Josh Trank claims, at least. He's like, hey, this looks a little familiar, guys. It's like, whatever, man, just go away. But, Wait, um, what? What? 
No, Josh Trank came out and said, like, hey, this lo- Power no, Max, Rangers looks Max, a lot like... Max Landis or, came out. Max Landis. Max Landis came out. Not Josh Trank. He's already, under, he's, he's already under the bus. You don't need to throw him further yeah. under. It's well, <laughs> speaking, speaking of, like, found footage directors that have gone somewhere, mm-hmm. they tried with him. Yeah, I think he's in hiding now. Yeah, they yeah. did try. Try is, is the quote, but... He was on uh, his way. Until, uh, until he threw everybody under the bus, and then they were like, all right, we'll just won't work with you anymore. Um, but yeah, no, Chronicle is, uh, it's actually this pretty interesting story about, uh, how hero, superhero origins work, and who goes on to become a good guy, and, uh, who goes on, who, who goes on to become a bad guy, um, and also Steve Montgomery, I think that's like a name that has come up a lot of times on the podcast, and how much we miss him, um, even though well, he's, he's, Michael B. George has done well for himself since then. He, he <laughs> has, yeah, but Steve Montgomery was going to be president of the United States. <laughs> he had, he, he was has, that charismatic. He had hopes and aspirations. Yeah. He was a popular and guy. And he just tried to stop, uh, Dane DeHaan and then it just went south. But, uh, no, I mean, they, they do set up <laughs> narrative of why they're using all these, these cameras as well. But the, just the, the way that they did things like, you know, the, the, the detail of you flying into into like the sky pretty high up, it's going to be cold. So, of course, you're going to wear these giant winter coats and then winter jackets. So that makes so much sense, right? So it was just a well-thought-out uh, movie where they had, did sometimes use found footage. And for sometimes, you actually saw a little bit more stable shots as if it was actually just being filmed regular. But I, I uh, enjoyed it, but not as much as I think Aaron when we did the review. But still, it's a, it's a good found footage movie. I think Chronicle's fantastic. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's, it's very, it's aside from the kind of the, the lead. I can't, I can't even think of the lead character's name right now because he's so uh, blind. Dane DeHaan? No, not Dane. No, not Dane DeHaan. The, the lead guy that's, you know, the, the good, the his, ultimate his, good guy. His cousin or yeah, his brother? cousin. That guy. Yeah, yeah not Dane. Dane DeHaan. You know, isn't that the question of the day? He's good. He's he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, of the three pe of the three people, two of them are really solid characters that do well. But just the movie itself. Uh, how it manages to get filmed um, through, like I was mentioning earlier, using, you know, like eventually goes to like s- cell phones and security mm-hmm. camera footage in, in, in addition to the camera. But there's also, there's just really clever stuff with like using the powers to use the camera as a floating device to track behind him as he's doing stuff. Like yeah. there's, there's a lot of little nice touches in there and whatnot. And uh, it makes for a really, makes for a good pairing with something like Unbreakable, which are just, you know, kind of mm-hmm. offbeat versions of superhero origin stories. <clears throat> Uh, Maxwell, what's your next pick? Um, okay, so I'm not sold on this pick of mine being a good movie, but I think the way it uses its technology is so uh, creative that I wanted to talk about it, and that's Unfriended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty decent. I mean, it definitely, seeing it in a cinema, it creeped me out a little bit, but this sort of takes found footage to like the postmodern, uh, arena the whole thing is a mac someone's computer macbook screen and it's just a bunch of friends skyping with each other talking chatting as increasingly creepy stuff starts happening to them and when i was watching it i was sort of surprised that this sort of format hadn't been utilized before you know so it makes perfect sense why you're seeing everything in this being filmed because they're just video chatting Um, I don't really have much more to say about it beyond that. I just think it's worth noting for that use of technology. I mean, the characters are okay. I always like Jacob Wysocki when I see him and stuff. I find him very charismatic. And the ending, you know, 
uh, is pretty uh, shocking. It leaves you on edge. But, you know, in terms of the way it develops as a film, it's standard. But the use of video chatting and how it jumps back and forth and you don't ever know what's going on was the, I felt, natural evolution of found footage. So that's why I wanted to mention it. Yeah. Uh, I know friends of the show, Scott Mendelson and Peter Paris, they're both huge fans of Unfriended. They think it's much better than... I think uh, I forget Brandon what your thoughts on it were, but I, I'm kind of with you, Maxwell. Where I, I admire it more than I think I like it. Yeah, it's funny you... you mentioned Scott because I wasn't going to see it in theaters until I read his review, and then I was like, oh, "All right, <laughs> okay, I'll give this a shot." <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Brandon, were you a fan of Unfriended? I didn't see Unfriended. Actually. Oh, okay. I can't. Remember. Abe, did you see it? I forget. I, forget. I didn't know, but okay. I'm familiar with the the concept. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess all good. I mean, I I do. I'm with you as far as, um, like I just said, I, I admire it more than I like the movie. There's, that's one where it's like there's too many questions I had concerning how the ghost works, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, this is a very tech-friendly ghost, and it does certain things, and things play out a certain way. But, yes, the kind of the the innovation of using a computer laptop as the sole framing device for how the thing works for the most yeah, part. It's very, I mean... it's very clever. Yeah, for me, it's purely a technical exercise, but it's a very good technical exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like someone else could take it and run with it and maybe, you know, uh, make it a little more logical and a little scarier and with better characters. But regardless, I recommend seeing it if only to see how well they use the idea of an entire movie just being someone's video chat. All right. My uh, next pick is a bad film. Um, it's one that we mentioned before. It is Diary of the Dead. Uh, this is not a good movie. <laughs> and I, I, I picked this movie because I think it's basically the worst example of what a found footage movie could be. Um, the, George A. Romero was really, you know, his Dead trilogy really went downhill after Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead, I think, is okay. But, I like Land of the Dead. But Diary I like of the Dead, Land of the Dead also. And Survival of the Dead, those are... Those are not good movies. But Diary of the Dead, this is... I'll say worse. something nice about Survival of the Dead real quick. Okay. Um, it's better than Land of the Dead. Okay, move on. There you go. Really? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I would take Survival over Land of the Dead. I Not me. I was pissed off leaving Land of the Dead. Not Land I'm sorry, I meant Diary of the Dead. Okay, Survival. good. I was, I was going to say. I was like, what? What? <laughs> Edit that up. Edit that up. Okay. <laughs> Survival of the Dead is better than Diary of the Dead. Okay. Sorry. My bad. All right. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Diary of the so this is one where it does try it it literally treat cheats you right at the beginning because it's it establishes itself that it's based off footage that was it's not even found because one of the lead characters has this footage and they they explain to you in like an opening monologue that all this stuff happened and I wanted to make sure to maximize the tension so I added my own use of score and other elements to to <laughs> to, to, to make to make to to really enhance and, the dread that you should be feeling and narration. <laughs> And narration, but um, and narration, yes, and it's awful. It is awfully performed. It, all the characters are terrible. The the the, the gore, main guy's a shithead. The the main like the gore stuff is it's mostly digital. If I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, it it just doesn't feel like a Romero zombie film. It feels like him trying to cat to to catch up with the times i guess and or maybe try to jump ahead of it the social even the social commentary which is a staple of romero's films it just it's way too on the nose in a way that doesn't feel clever or even you know a, a bit of a, a different way to be entertained by something it just feels useless 
and it, it's it was very disappointing because I was I I came out of Land of the Dead thinking okay well, all right we got another of the dead movie and it's pretty you know not bad yeah so it's yeah. like all right Dire of the Dead let's see where this goes and boy this was just this was a nightmare to sit through <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> not would... and not because the movie was scary. <laughs> Yeah, it came out like a couple weeks after Cloverfield finally that wasn't yeah. like festival playing and I went to see it at the Newark and they well, That's probably what didn't help me either, yeah, cuz it came out yeah. after I saw Cloverfield which I thought was amazing. Well, and then I went to see it at like a like a four o'clock show with some friends and and they were like, "Oh, well, if you go to the next show, um George Romero's going to be here to do Q&A." Uh, I was like, oh, but we could we couldn't make it for some. We had to get back somewhere for some reason. But after that, I saw him moving. Like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, he didn't want me at that Q and A. Like that was <laughs> what a turn of a new one. Oh my gosh! Like, I seriously feel like his grandchildren made that movie, and then oh. they, they needed him to his name to sell it, and so he took the hit. Like I. But then he did survival, and that kind of confirmed he did it. But oh, it's not even like it's not <laughs> like it sold though. Nobody really went and saw either of those. Yeah, yeah and dude. I went and saw. I think I went and saw Cloverfield again that night, just to get a to wash it out of my system. Yeah, I really. I think I did. To be fair, they're they're not expensive movies. I mean, Romero's no. always had issues with finding budgets for his films, and they you know they didn't cost that much. So, but survival's yeah. an even giant more bigger flop than than uh, Diary of the Dead was. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Apparently, Tatiana Maslany was also in the <laughs> Diary of the Dead, which you didn't know. I can't. Right. I have no recollection of that. Yeah, recent, she'd have been uh, really recent Emmy winner. Been... Uh, but yeah, Diary of the Dead is just a. <clears throat> it it is not a good movie. <laughs> um, it it is you know oh. compared to these other movies, uh, it's you know it goes way down the line of like wow this is how you just you know take this format and really make something ineffective. Um, which is a shame based off, you know, the pedigree of filmmaker behind it. Because um, Romero, I, well, I never considered him, like, one of the best directors. I, I certainly find him a, a very key one when it comes to, you know, horror films. Especially, you know, yeah, he's one of the, yeah, he's one of the great horror film directors of all time. And it just, like, it's funny how a lot of those guys just, nobody wants to give them money to do movies anymore. Right? Even in the within the genre. Yeah, which is a shame because I really think that if he was given the opportunity to have a you know a decent sized budget, he probably could come up with some. You know, he'd have he'd right. have and you know time. He'd probably have the time to do something effective. Yeah. And Jimmy, I think just he recently wrote an article uh, re- regarding that about like the you know big name horror directors that just like somewhere after two thousand people just quit wanting to give them money to make even horror movies. Well, it's it's interesting because you get a lot of you know like John Carpenter is another example, and there are people that aren't they're not studio guys as they've made studio films, and they fought yeah. for studios as far as you know distribution or whatnot. But they're guys that try to travel outside the lines and yet have made films that have become these classics over the years. Yet they don't seem to be given the chances to do more. And I don't know yeah, why like, that is, like, unless they have just really temperamental attitudes. But, yeah, like Toby Toby Hooper, man. No, like, yeah. I mean, the guy's got stuff in. The only one that seemingly, like Wes Craven, was the only one who seemingly consistently did that. But towards the end, he was facing troubles getting mm-hmm. movies off the ground. He would get them off the ground, but he was he was facing some big big pushback. And I, I mean, that's a whole different podcast. But I just I wonder why that is. Like <laughs> these guys, like yeah, this, that can. Like, that is clearly capable, yet they don't seem to be given as much opportunity as you'd expect for. Well, I, I mean, William Friedkin. I mean, he, uh, notable director, has made all-time great films. He has trouble getting stuff done, and he's had trouble getting stuff done since like the mid to late '80s. 
I think part of that's his attitude with some people and mm-hmm. some burned bridges, but still, I uh, mean, if it, I had money, I'd give it to William Priest. Uh, yeah, I'd give it to him. The guy made the Exorcist, and you know, uh, he just had Killer Joe, which I thought was yeah, amazing. Like, so he just I was like, something recently yeah. that we all liked. I love yeah, Killer made, Joe. He said Killer Joe and Bug, but that was like a return for him I, to actually get like something he could fully see through. For sure, yeah. Um. I, <laughs> I really like the hunted too. Okay, um, <laughs> I need to get into my uh, how much I really like we William Friedkin. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to see them in a bo- him in a boxing match with Michael Mann. I'd pay for that. Oh, uh, <laughs> Brandon, what's the next film on your list? The Battle for William Peterson. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Ty West, The Sacraments. I figured you uh, would. Yeah. I left it there. I was holding. It. I was like, "Someone gonna name it?" But uh, this I left it really for you. Cool. I would have put it on there if I knew, if I didn't think <laughs> you were gonna have it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Ty West fan. Um, but this one, I, I heard he was doing a found footage film. I was like, oh, "Really?" But then I'm like, "Okay, just trust the director." And I was right. It's a little movie about a vice. Is it vice? It's vice. Yeah. Or it's specifically vice. Okay. it's specifically vice because I was like, "What?" Vice. <laughs> That's crazy. They, uh, <laughs> one of the the people that work. Um, for them, their sister has disappeared to this cult, and they go to do a story. They, they get the address of where she is and stuff, and they go to do a story out there on it. And they don't really, like, it's more, they use the found footage to be, to give you more, like, more of a coverage thing and more of a perspective thing is if you're there with it on the ground rather than you're just, like, some dude is going around filming it. Like, they they do have news cameras and stuff like that, but the feeling of it isn't like you're watching that. It feels like you're one with them. And I think the film is effective because it gives you ground coverage of this, like, little village that these cult people are with. Uh, with. And I don't, I don't think a traditional movie would give you the sense that this, this one does, and it's very effective with the creepiness and the distances and and the sense of place is very important in the movie. Well, without spoil, because I don't and, want to spoil too much of what happens in it, but I think with without going too much into detail, I think once things really amp up, I think the having that found footage format really intensifies what's going down. It really gives you a kind of right there on the ground with everyone approach to it that you know could be effective shooting it. Uh, in a more traditional format, but I think that, you know, it's a unique perspective to have in the situation that these characters wind up in. Right, and I think it's one that it's, might be the best acted found footage movie of all time. With, like, Gene, jo- Gene Jones gives, like, a dis- disturbing and powerful performance, but it's also got a great one by A.J. Bowen, uh, probably Joe Swanberg's best performance. Since, and, like, since a- you're next, yes. <laughs> yeah, since you're ne- yeah, since you're next. And then Amy Simetz, who I think is, like, great uh, all the time she's in it too and she plays the, the sister that they're going to find and it's it, 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 the movie winds up i mean it pays off it's a lot of setup like it I means a ty west movie so it's yeah. a lot of setup yeah. but the payoff is just like haunting it's 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 horror in a different sense than you get from these movies it's a different kind of like suspense and scares and under your skin thrills and it's it was a it was a cool movie. I was weary of it because it's like, ah, oh, why is he doing found footage? But it ended up being the best way to tell this story. See, I went in knowing nothing. Like, I only knew that it was a Ty West film. I knew, and I knew, I knew Ty West from House of the Devil, The Innkeepers, and his segment in VHS, and of course, Cabin Break, Cabin Fever Two, uh, Spring Fever, as we all know and love. 
Uh, he, <laughs> he doesn't love that movie. He hates that he did that. Um, but uh, going into it, I was like, all right, it's a Ty West movie. So I'm just, I have a level of ex- expectation based off the innkeepers and House of the Devil, mainly, where it's a lot of slow buildup to something that's set in probably a location. And it basically is that. It just happens to have this aesthetic, which goes back to what we were saying from the beginning. Horror can take on many shapes in this format, um, which is interesting that you know horror can utilize this format and go to all different kinds of subgenres. But yeah, it it is effective and it is kind of a slow burn, but I expect that when I see a Ty West movie and it, it works. It really, and I think, yeah, Gene Jones is a huge part of that who, uh, who people will mainly know as the, um, the gas station attention in uh, no <laughs> yes. country for old men who gets the, the coin. He flip. turns the tables in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the sugar now. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, eff- I, I, it's very effective for what it's doing. Uh, Abe, what's your uh, next? We gotta start speeding through these guys. We're getting to that point. <laughs> yeah, we're getting to that point. Aaron, I thought that I was gonna be the only one that had a bad movie, and my next one is Apollo eighteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. When you think about it in a concept, it's actually pretty neat, right? That's this, an idea there. This, yeah. This last mission to the moon that the U.S. never tells told you about, and why is it classified? Well, it's classified because. Uh, something happened. Two astronauts go up. This is during the 70 space race with the uh, the Russians. Two astronauts go up. You get a lot of closed circuit television and you know uh, on on camera, on body cameras, and also on spaceship cameras and rover cameras, which is pretty neat. But the concept is just it, the execution of it is is just really poor, and it all all of a sudden just becomes almost laughable there's really only one really good scene which i think we talked about in like episode five whenever we talked about it it's, it's one of our yeah it's from the first year we did this podcast it's yeah. fairly it's like it's episode 24 I is it say. 20 okay i'm guessing well because i know well it helps because i know captain america's episode 19 so that, yeah. that's my bar for how these things work <laughs> <laughs> but i think one of the the best parts of it was just when he has a flashing strobe light and he's going through that crater but for the most part the way that it, they have these space alien, like, moon rocks that take over your body kind of thing, it's like, that's kind of a dumb thing. And it could have been cooler, and it could have been a little bit uh, spookier, but it kind of fails in that regard. Episode that 25. Said, I, wasn't, I wasn't far off. 25, Episode 25. Far off, Episode yeah. 24 was another movie you loved, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Uh, yeah, no, I hated that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, Apollo 18, again, great concept. They had some, They had great reasons why they had to use the cameras, just... Really, uh, really a dumb <laughs> overall execution and, and uh, I guess, evil menacing force. Yeah, that's it's a terrible movie. I, I have nothing really to add. <laughs> don't if you're ever curious about Apollo 18, your answer is don't see it. I think I was, I was, I didn't hate it as much as you did, but I certainly, yeah, it was certainly lackluster. Like, I think it's on your worst of the year list for that year when we were t- going over that. I was just more like, all right, I saw that thing, that wasn't good, whatever. Forgettable. And yeah. moved on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, Maxwell, what's your next pick? How many of these are we doing, picks? Uh, we can do Our two. last rounds. We can yeah. Do, yeah, after this round, we'll do one more round. Okay. Um, so I'm going to talk about The Last Exorcism. Yeah. Which I, I was surprised by how much I liked it, to be honest. I'm not a fan. Go on. Yeah, I, I, I certainly know it's um, a bit polarizing 
Um, I have a friend on uh, online who every year does like a horror fest where he'll announce the schedule and then you could watch the films he's watching and like engage with him and used to be I think a little more popular but anyways a couple years ago The Last Exorcism was on the schedule and I had never seen it because I don't know I just never was that interesting. The the trailer kind of looked like crap that was yeah I and you know it didn't look good to me and I was surprised by how engaging I found it, and I think a lot of that credit goes to Patrick Fabian, who is just super charismatic and engaging as the main character. He plays um, and, Howard on Better Call Saul, which I found out today after doing research for this podcast. He does, yes. And I think the first time I noticed him was on Veronica Mars in the third season, hmm, okay. um, where he was very good. Um, I, what I liked about this movie is how it sort of tackled the theme of a preacher who does exorcisms who has sort of lost his faith and lost his way a little bit um and so beyond just the fact that it was a found footage movie i was engaged with the character of course as it goes on it takes some twists and turns that are questionable um but i thought it used the found footage pretty well it was pretty intense and you know the ending sort of is one of those that i think became more prevalent as found footage became more common in the early to mid-2000s, where sort of everything has to go batshit, excuse my language, where there's just so much going on that you don't know where to look and the camera's shaking. So it has that sort of ending. But this is one where I found it was character-driven, and I really liked the main character. The sequel is Hogswallop. Is that even (laughs) found footage? Is it just like a regular narrative? Sequel? Yeah, the sequel. it's which, not. Which has which has a hilarious title, the Laxest, the Last Exorcism Two, uh, which is all kinds of problematic. And I'm I'm reading my review of the Last <laughs> Exorcism right now. I I had I had sequel suggestion titles. Uh, the the sequel could have been called the Last Last Exorcism or a prequel, the Next to Last Exorcism. Um, there you go. The penultimate exorcism. The penultimate exorcism. <laughs> I, I take great. it from your reaction, Brandon, that you liked the Last Exorcism. I did. I was surprised by it, just as you were when I I just kind of like. I think I like reluctantly just watched it for something to watch one time. And then I think the thing that hooked me is like, I didn't realize and I didn't get from the trailers that he was like a, a phony kind of exorcism guy where he like yeah. set up like traps and stuff. And that kind of got my interest more mm-hmm. into this movie than if it was just some found footage with going through exorcisms and stuff. And, and, and Fabian really does carry that movie a lot I like the ending quite a bit so it was it was enough for me to i had it on my list as a backup to talk about um because I, I did i did enjoy it i'm not gonna like rave about it but it was just a, it, it surprised me from what i think my expectations were for it and they were completely you know wrong from what yeah, I, I, I was given i i think i wanted to mention it just because it it, it was one that i felt came around at a time where a lot of them were being made like i think you mentioned the devil inside before and there's a whole bunch that seemed just like throwaways but of all of those this one i really liked because of the character and because of how it subverted what i expected it to be um you know and the director's gone on to do a couple other things he directed an episode of the scream tv show so you know Pretty good. The Last Exorcism Part Two is actually the title of the sequel, which is still kind of silly, I, but uh... I guess that makes a little more sense. There you go. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's I don't understand necessarily doing a sequel to a found footage movie not as found footage. 
Well, tell that to Book of Shadows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, one day, uh, The Last Exorcism Part 2 and Book of Shadows Blair Witch Part 2 and will make an excellent double feature for someone who doesn't like themselves very much. I'll, ma- I'll mention my feelings on Blair Witch 2 um, were summed up with the final line in that movie, which was, uh, this is effing bullshit. <laughs> right. That was the last line in that movie, and that's how I felt about it. <laughs> It's literally the last line of the movie. That's the last line of the movie. <laughs> I uh, might just have to watch the the last minute. I have I have a la- well, I have a pick for the last round because I want to do this one last. But the, yeah. the one I'll do right now, I was gonna do Europa Report to tie back to Abe with Apollo thir- eighteen. <laughs> um, but because Europa Apollo Report, that's pretty good. No, but Europa Report that's that's a, that that's a, I just want to say that's a solid movie that fits into this genre and has a, a unique approach and uh, has some good actors doing good acting. In it, um, but I will. Sp- I'm going to spot out another Paranormal Activity movie, actually, though, and it's the spinoff one, Paranormal Activity: The Marked Ones. Yeah. Um, this was the technically the fifth in the series, even though it was dubbed a spinoff because it doesn't direct. So you think it doesn't directly connect to the other to the like? Yeah, the, that's a lie. Main characters. It's, yeah, it's a complete lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I fa- I've been I was finding it interesting what what Bloomhouse was trying to do with this franchise at this point where they're like coming out with year after year entries and you have to wonder, well, it's like, where is this going to lead to? Are they going to keep stretching out the mythology? And then they have this, you know, this um, LA based or it's not, it's Oxnard. <laughs> it's, it's, it's North, North, it's, it's South. I, I always call, cause I went to say, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I always call that South central California since it's not central California, <laughs> but um, it's right above Southern California. Um, but it, you know, it involves a, a it involves like a new group of characters and it deals more heavily with kind of the the possession aspect i guess because the main character is possessed in this movie um it's not rich white people in a gigantic expensive house yeah exactly it's pretty much what it is it's people in the projects essentially and i having you know liking this year i was disappointed in paranormal activity 4 i remember us talking about that one abe and that was one that was mm-hmm. like okay yeah. well i can i can admire that there's still like hints of mythology being taken this, this one felt like it didn't do much to accomplish anything this one i didn't know what to expect and while it's you know it's not great i was it's it's probably the most fun of any of them because of the kind of the younger characters and a lot there's 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 a surprising amount of action in this movie. Uh, that's my se- that's my second favorite one. It actually yeah. like feels like a movie compared probably, to the other one. It's probably my third. I, I I think it's three, one, and then the marked ones for me. Um, but but I, I by I the way, when when you say there's a surprising a lot of action, is that like ghost action? Or yeah, well, that... there's that because the character that's possessed gets into you know he gets into super powered fights essentially because he can mm-hmm. like fight okay. off these people trying to pick on him. And they travel. And, they leave the house. Yeah, they leave a lot. Yeah, they actually go. They go to different places. And <laughs> they go to all, Ralph's. And there's also a whole ending sequence where people are shotgunning like possessed people <laughs> away oh, from. Oh gosh, it, yeah. it's creepy as hell too. Yeah, it is. So it you know there's and then the 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 whole end the the actual end involves some 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 really clever twists that I did not see coming so I was uh, and that really that that and that really opened up where the franchise could go over there which it pretty much explored in the final film for now uh the the <laughs> the ghost dimension <laughs> I still haven't seen that yet it, it again not great but as it's one entertaining. as as, it, as, it, as one who crazy. was as one who was devoted to the mythology of the series I was like really inclined to see it and I was satisfied well enough just not in the same way as paranormal activity 3 it's not as boring as two. I'll tell you that. I, I'll take I'll take them going crazy and kind of dumb 
over just like oh my god that i yeah paint drying that's <laughs> normal activity too for me so yeah uh, i'll shout out the marked ones as far as these there things go, go. That's a good pick. brandon what's yeah, your last pick here uh, I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna go with a full-on film, but I'm gonna go with a short from VHS2 called Safe Haven. <laughs> Disturbed the <laughs> hell out of me. That's my. That's my last one too. <laughs> is, oh, is, is, that it? The, uh, is that the one where you had to take a break, Aaron? Yes, it is. That's okay. the, and it's. I, I like VHS2 as a whole, actually. But yes, I, that is easily the highlight. Yeah, VHS2. It's it's a it's a it's a step up big time from the first one. But the Safe Haven. Do you want to? You want me to pick something else? No, go for it. No, it's fine. Okay, well, it's just I don't know what man that. It's this crew going into this like Indonesian cult, um, and shit starts happening. Like they start. Wow. If you want to help fill in, Aaron, that's great. Yeah, they, they, like, yeah. Just... I mean, it's it's for one thing. It's directed by Gareth Evans, who directed the Raid films, along with Timo Tajianto, who's directing the upcoming Headshot, which is also stars the the lead of the of the Raid. And it yeah, it follows a it follows this news crew into this Indonesian cult. They they do some interviews. They start exploring what's going on here, and basically all hell breaks loose as far as it's kind of a it's kind of a final call to arms for what this cult plans to doing that leads to this it leads to just a, a, the just the craziest things that could happen in a cult that that go beyond just mass suicide it's super extreme like super intense just like it's it's frantic disturbing there's graphic. a lot of, there's a lot of kinetic shooting of like people running down halls and avoiding crazy stuff hall after hall room after room yeah it and I think it's got two separate cameras going on at the same time, right? It's got a few With cameras, yeah. Yeah, it's oh man, it just that one just oh, it's one of the like, most fu- disturbing found footage things I've ever seen. And in the midst and of it, it's like what point? So maybe like twenty twenty five minutes long at most. It actually tells a story about a few characters. Like it actually introduces yeah. characters and introduces some like drama between the the news crew that gets you to actually you know for a short film like this, a short horror film like this. It gives you some, you know, some things to resonate uh, as you watch these people slowly deal with just terrible things happening. Right, and yeah, it, if they really wanted to like screw with people, they should put that thing last, like have the wraparound end before that one, and just let people go home on that creepy number. It, yeah, because like Abe mentioned, I had to call my, I had to stop the movie, call my friend, say this. VHS two just got crazy, and I need to take a break for a minute before I finish this thing off because it yeah. was wild. <laughs> it was yeah, nothing in the first one had anything remotely close to this, and it's oh my gosh, I just remember just feeling so icky, this like just like almost breathing heavy. It was just like it's it's wild. I like I guess watch it. That's all I can say. You got to just you have to see this, regardless your feelings of found footage. Watch this, because it's, it's only twenty five minutes. You're out. It, it really or are you because because of you know the direction and how it comes from the you know people behind the raid. It really reminded me more of like excuse me of um, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, which is more of like an action horror movie. And this one it's it's more depraved in the sense of that it's very much emphasizes the horror, but it still has a kind of it's almost shot like an action movie to, in terms of like the momentum and how it like plays off. There's like yeah. a sense of like you have this feeling of what this cult could do to these people and you just have this sense of really not wanting to see it in effect where you know they'll show it but you don't want to see it like with what's going on it's just, oh but it's awesome 
Still makes me not want to see it, but maybe I'll have to watch it with the, with no volume. Abe, you like the raids. <laughs> I do like the raids. Raids. <laughs> I... Abe, what's your, what's your next pick? Uh, last week is something we talked about, too, and it was something that I was kind of hesitant to put on the list because there are obviously points where it's not – it's not – it's – it's obviously a, a movie stage and whatever else and, you know, just panning. Uh, but for the most part, it was uh, pretty neat in concept, too. But it's end of watch. And the reason why is because uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, he is taking a class where he has to film everything. So he's got body cameras, and they also use their police dash cam cameras when they're doing these things. But, again, it kind of, it kind of was straddling a line of, is this found footage? Is this even... Or is this just POV footage? Um, and wasn't really sure. But for the most part, it's actually a pretty good movie overall. It's just the means to tell the story. It is. Yeah. Most effective. And, it's and effective. that kind of gets into what we were talking about earlier in the beginning of the show of, hey, you know, if it helps to carry the story along or also the way that they are uh, kind of uh, intersplicing it with regular, the way that you would see normal movies these days, then uh, – what's wrong with it kind of thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Again, I think it's actually a pretty strong, uh, what we talked about David Ayer movie, but, um, again, it's really neat, especially when cameras are on their shotguns or when they're just running down and, and you're seeing, uh, how things come out. And at one point the camera even goes dark cause he gets shot right in the camera. I haven't, well, it's got, it's I got the suspense and intensity of a horror movie. So, I mean, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, can we just note that Michael Pena is a damn treasure? That's what I was about to say. Oh, Michael yeah. Pena is pretty... Yeah. I mean, Pena is Gyllenhaal's good great. in it, but Pena, he's kind of the MVP of that movie as far yeah. as the acting. Uh, he's <laughs> almost the MVP of any movie he's in. Especially um, now. Yeah. He's so good, but, but he yeah. certainly He brings a smile to my face when he pops up, because he's mostly... He's, he's playing a little... Fr- playing, frenetic? He's generally yeah. playing it lighter than most of the other cast in a lot of movies. Oh, that's, <laughs> but he is good dramatically as well, which is what End of Watch certainly... Yeah. Is. I haven't checked in a while, but I'm pretty sure End of Watch probably climbed the charts on the F-bomb usage in movies as well. <laughs> I haven't checked in a while either. Is it funny that I'm now conflating End of Watch and the marked ones in my head? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like I could see those two movies like forming into one where the cops are chasing after the guy from the marked ones in LA. So get the car chase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maxwell, what's your last pick here? Okay, so the last film I picked I find interesting because... In some ways, I sort of view it as found footage horror coming full circle, and that is M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say I find it sort of coming full circle is because here's a filmmaker who in the late 90s was sort of the new wonder kid in horror. He made like three films back-to-back that, if not everyone liked him, were all well-respected, and then his career sort of went off the rails. And while his career was going off the rails, found footage became very popular and a lot of horror films were working in the idiom. So I view this as sort of his comeback movie. When I saw it, I was like, oh, he can still make good movies. It's a pretty effective found footage movie. Um, It has some tonal uh, issues, whether intentionally or otherwise, where I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be laughing or not. But it is very chilling because he allows moments to be still and creepy and then there's also moments where things are unexpectedly fast-paced and i think it uses the camera pretty well because of it takes place in modern times and the way you know teenagers tend to be filming everything mm-hmm. um but uh, coupled with that it has the you know sort of 
surprise ending that Shyamalan became known for. And I did not see it coming. And I don't know if that speaks to my intelligence or not, um, but the twist sort of surprised me. So it was a very effective found footage movie. And also I thought Shyamalan's return to form. And that's why I think it's interesting to note that a filmmaker who for all intents and purposes, lost his way, went to this format that had become so popular to course correct and really make a good scary movie again. It helps that I'm hearing a lot of good things about Split as well as upcoming film. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kim's McAvoy. Yeah, it looks very creepy. I just saw the trailer the other day uh, in front of the girl on the train. You know, there's certainly a little fear of how it's going to handle uh, mental health issues. But McAvoy yeah, it's, already, looks, it's already facing some controversy and protest. Yeah, people. but McAvoy looks very, very creepy. Yeah. Do you and guys again with the visit or seen it? Well, I'm sorry. Was that? I was just asking if you guys had seen the visit or if you like it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no. I like I, I like it. the visit. Um, I I like the twist, and then when I thought about it for two seconds afterwards, I was like, well, well, it worked in the moment, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, I like the idea of why she has the camera because she's trying to make this documentary about her family, yeah. and that's that's uh, more than enough reason to to have this uh, teenager have have all this stuff. And then again, when everything goes down, it kind of goes bonkers in the third act, which I enjoyed the hell out of. I I I I enjoyed the kind of the the kid on Christmas reaction Scott Mendelson had to it since he you know he's a huge oh fan my of Shyamalan yeah. and he was happy that not only did he love the movie but it was very successful c- c- given its budget of 5 million which was i believe self-funded by Shyamalan like he or at least he put up most of the money himself for this thing yeah and he, he's just like he's back he did it again he did it. like he's like i knew it i knew he had it it's like he didn't make Jurassic Park man. <laughs> but, still though you know if you respect someone it's nice to see them sure. you know yeah. And again, here's another film, and this is a guy we mentioned a lot that Jason Blum was involved with. Yeah, you well, know, this... on, he he mentions that he lost his way, like getting so like out of control with budgets and stuff like that. Yeah. That it didn't it didn't pertain to his talents as much, and he wanted to scale back as far as he could. They felt you know the found footage was the the low budget place to go to get something made. Well, yeah, those are. Yeah. The, I mean, I I I did like the visit to answer your question, Maxwell, and that's something I've. You know, as much as I've had issues with, uh, you know, a chunk of of Shyamalan's films, I do recognize him as a true talent as far as filmmaking goes. He he's a good he's a very good actors director for one thing. He gets fantastic performances out of all of his actors in every one of his films. I hate the Lady in the Water, but Paul Giamatti is excellent in it. Um, so is Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, uh, I could, There's a key scene I could think of with Giamatti. That's why I always tend to center on that. Uh, I, think, I, of that I think everyone's wooden in signs. Like I, li- I, I, I think, think science is great. Where, I think science I, is great. I think <laughs> I, I, I like science, but I've noticed like over the years watching again, I feel like that's a point where he was starting to be like, "No, you say my words on my page exactly as they are." And I feel like Gibson gets some moments to shine through, but everyone feels so wooden in that movie. I think when it dwells, I, I feel like I feel like he's stuck on his script. I, I think Joaquin Phoenix is so funny in it. I, I yeah. <laughs> Regardless, we're not talking about this movie. I, um, I, I, I do, I do like the visit, Max. So I do, and I, I, I do think it is a, it is a horror comedy to a point. I think it is very comedic. To a point. I, yeah, and I, yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't cast Catherine Hahn and not expect her to be funny. Yeah, she has yeah. a great moment where she's saying goodbye to her kids on the train, and like within like the span of five seconds, she like gets to do something goofy and something that makes you feel like, oh, she feels really bad that her kids are about to leave for a weekend. <laughs> yeah, like it's very effective. Um, but the there is like the, the what the the younger the the brother who does rapping that that's pretty. 
oh, ter- yeah. terrible yeah, every single time it comes up. <laughs> yeah, that's my least favorite part um, of the movie, and I definitely question that choice. But beyond that, I really like it. Peter McRobbie is super scary. He is, and I've seen him popping up in random things now. And again, yeah, like, and oh, I'm there scared. He is. <laughs> Daredevil? He scares me. And that, that to me, was an effective horror creation, that character. Ooh, just thinking about that barn is giving me the creeps. Oh, my yeah, God, man, yeah. that barn was disgusting. Oh, yeah. I haven't um, been in a barn since, <laughs> and I used to go in barns all the time. All the time. All the time in in Manhattan. Yep. <laughs> Central Park's yep. nothing but barns now. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, last pick, uh, before I do my last pick, I want to shout out Ghost Team 1, which Abe and I, we Touch saw, the, uh, we, 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 inter- we interviewed the directors on this podcast, and it got a resoundingly negative reaction as far as Rotten Tomatoes is concerned. Um, we, uh, we, there was some fun to be had with that one. It's basically a, you know, well, it's, it's always t- fun when we get to to peek behind the curtain. For sure, but I mean that movie as a whole, it's like it's it's essentially like a a comedic version of Paranormal Activity, but it does have some scary bits in it that I was surprised by. But yeah, that's that. Um, I mentioned as as Brandon was pointing out, Safe Haven from VHS two. I'm pointing out VHS two as a whole because I do think it's it's a fantastic sequel. As far as I really despised a lot of what VHS had to offer, and VHS two did everything it could apparently to write itself it still has some mean character work and the wraparound stuff is not great um but the you know there's less films the film is leaner as a whole the first one's like two hours this one's 92 minutes um the, and the, and all the, the stories are all better um the first one's directed by adam wingard um where he he people that don't know vhs is essentially a collection of short found footage movies all rolled into one um the first one by adam wingard has he plays he, he stars in the film as a guy who gets this um eye implant um and uh, it has a camera in it so people can monitor what's going on to see how the eye works uh, because it's like a prototype but it has a glitch which comes in the form of it can see uh it can see ghosts (laughs) which Mm. presents some share problems uh the second one's actually from eduardo sanchez and greg hale who directed and produced the blair witch project Uh, it's called a ride in the park and it features it's pretty it's very creative it it has a funny it has a a character the character filming becomes a zombie that's the that's the plot of that one um he's got like a gopro on he has a gopro yeah he's he's not a zombie holding a camera (laughs) as much as i want to see that yeah he has a gopro on and and it's it tracks his adventures after becoming a zombie uh the the third the third one is safe haven from gareth evans as we talked about already and the last one's from jason eisner who directed um hobo with a shotgun and oh. it's, it's called Slumber Party Alien Abduction, and it is just that. It is a slumber party it's that goes. It's pretty creepy. It is really. It's really creepy, and it, it's basically it's a slumber party featuring young kids um, that become the subject of an alien inv- abduction situation. And it's it's they're all very creative. They're all pretty quick as far as what they're doing, and they're 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 all you know, for lack of a better term, fun. Like it is. It is. A horror movie that was compared to the first one, which I just found to be so disgusting. This one is it's it's very engaging in what it's trying to do, and each each of the stories feels unique into itself without having to do too much exploitation in various ways to get across what it's going for as far as frightening um, you and whatnot. It's safe to say you could watch VHS two without having seen the first one. Correct. Right. Yeah, very much. Okay. So. Yes, I may give it a watch because I was never interested in VHS for the reasons you said you okay. didn't like it, but. VHS two sounds more interesting. Yeah, I'd say the only the first only the Adam Wingard film kind of verges towards territory that the first one does, but even that it's more minimal. I tend I'm a, I am a fan of Adam, so yeah, well, 
I, I say that because I think the first one's the weakest of the four. But uh, yeah, yeah, because it, it goes. It, it go it it has some things where I'm like, oh, here we go again. Before it's like, oh, okay, that was actually pretty good. Then it moves on. It's like, oh, these ones are really fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's uh, those. That's my last uh, pick here. And with that, I think we've uh, effectively tackled the found footage genre, guys. Covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we've gone through all the footage. <laughs> were there, were, were there any? Unfortunately, other... it has now all been lost. Were there any other <laughs> yeah. uh, backups that you guys had, just in case uh, that you want to? I was maybe going to mention Grave Encounters. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, which I just think is interesting because of its it it's the way it tells its story. Are you familiar at all? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool that it's like one of those TV shows of paranormal investigators. I thought that was a unique approach. Not a great film, but a fun approach to found footage. So that was one of my backups. The only other had, one. Uh, I, the only one. The one I had is uh, Troll Hunter. Was oh okay. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I had a uh, uh, Willow Creek. Okay. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, the, yeah, the uh, yeah. Bigfoot movie. I never yeah. saw that, and I like Bobcat Goldthwait as a filmmaker, so I probably should check yeah, it out. It's, 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 just, it's okay. It's okay. It's got a, a highlight. Is this like one sequence that's like twelve minutes long that takes place inside a tent at night, like just one shot, and it's pretty effective. Like you're not even checking your watch till it's close to over. Be like, oh my gosh, they've been sitting in here real timing this for. It's, it's the hunger of found footage movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But it's 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 pretty cool. It's it's all right. It got a lot of hype, and I think it was overhyped for me by the time it got it came out on like Blu-ray, and I saw it because I was like, well, that was all right. <laughs> From the director of World's Greatest Dad comes Will <laughs> Creek. Yes. Yeah, I guess, yeah, he did a lot of research. He's a big fan of things, and they, they were really respectful to the town they filmed in because it was, like, the real uh, Bigfoot area. And... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the real Bigfoot area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the real Sasquatch. Well, they got they have, like, this, like, uh, built, like, uh, monument to them and stuff that they have. They feature it in the movie. And... The um, other thing I was thinking of mentioning, and I didn't, and I will now because it's a TV show and not a movie, is... And I tend to mention this a lot. I think the show Supernatural, which has dealt with every horror trope under the sun by this point. Mm-hmm. But there's an episode in season eight where the two guys are investigating a case and they go into a, a room and find a laptop that has footage. And the, <laughs> the episode basically just becomes the footage on the laptop. So it's pretty cool that they did their own twist on found footage. And it was a unique episode because the main characters are barely in it because all you're seeing – as the audience is the footage, and it deals with werewolves. So I hadn't seen that much found footage with werewolves, so that was a nice mm. little twist. Uh, Doctor Who did a found footage episode in Capaldi's second season. Well, you mentioned uh, TV, and the, the River was an entire oh, series yeah. that I actually yeah. I watched all of. It was produced I, by Jason, Jason Bloom and Oren Pelly. And, uh, yes. It, 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 it did. It had, and it had Bruce Greenwood. Um, among others in there, so and I I watched the whole thing. Like <laughs> I, I I I tried to stick with it. Like it, it wasn't great, but it, it is an entire found footage film based around a basically a, a boat going down the Amazon, uh, which I thought was a pretty unique construct for yeah. you know, a TV show. It was certainly ambitious. Can't say they didn't try. Yeah, I agree. You guys mentioned pretty much all the other films on my yeah. I have, I yeah, have yeah. Here. We went through. I think I have the I have the Bay on here, but we even went over that a little. I think bit, we even so. covered that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, we, the, the only other things I was thinking of, they're not necessarily found footage, but they have a docu-style to them, were uh, Monsters uh, from uh, Gareth Edwards, uh, which introduced me to Scoot McNary. Um, <laughs> Dude is the man. And, um, pretty cool guy. And District 9, which... Oh, which I thought about that too. You know, it starts on... 
for the first half, it really kind of functions as yeah. a found footage movie before it, yeah. or more of a documentary, I guess. But it has a. You I know, thought about a... that talking about uh, the marketing of the Blur Witch, and I was like, you know what? Also had a really good marketing District Nine. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, I think the line between mockumentary and found footage is so thin. It is, yeah. Like, because yeah. behind the mask is arguably more mockumentary than found footage, but I think it still serves its purpose in this conversation. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like it's. I mean, it's like loose footage from a documentary, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Because it's yeah. not like, oh, you're watching the... Like, it's not like this is Spinal Tap or, or Zelig, where it's like, oh, this is a you know, fake documentary. It's it's well, like, oh, here's are. the foot. Yeah, yeah. here's the footage from this people who are trying to make a documentary. Like, like Blair Witch, that was footage from people yeah. Yeah. trying to make a documentary. I should note, by the way, since we talked about two of them, the, fu- the third VHS film, not great. <laughs> There's a third no. one? I yeah, have no idea viral. there was a third one. VHS Viral, yes, it came out uh, last year, oh, two okay. years ago. Did you, did you like it better than the first one? I like it better than the first one. Yeah. Um, but it I got think that it... really insane one with the skate park. I remember that. Yeah, Bone Storm, the last one. Just... Bone Storm? It's, it's, yeah. it's That's the name like, of a video game in The Simpsons. It's endless. <laughs> um, and there's also one from Nacho Vigalando, who directed Time Crimes. Um, <laughs> um, it's called Parallel Monsters, um, which has a... Some oh, pretty yeah. some pretty messed up stuff in it. Um, oh, I remember. Yeah, that was that one's creepy. Yeah, that was. I really one like time crimes. Time crimes. That's why I was really interested. That's yeah. mainly why I wanted to see the third. Well, besides the high of VHS two, I was like, oh, okay, Nacho Vigalando is involved with this. All right, I'll see what's going on. <laughs> but there's a there's like, well, the 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 wraparound stuff is terrible <laughs> in the third one and there's it's the one with like ambulance right yeah, it's like or an like... ambulance it's an ambulance that has all these vhs tapes it, it tries to make more it, it tries to make more mythology out of the series mm. um than i really needed <laughs> i already like the guy who uh who lived at the creepy house that's not really there and what's weird is that there's like a fourth film that was like taken out of the film um so it's like this oh lost, yeah it's this lost film essentially that was supposed to be a part of it but it was either not finished in time or Something it's like very, going on. It's super art house. It like almost yeah. doesn't fit with anything. Yeah. So. All right. Um, we've been going long, so I get to guess. We should, guess we should wrap this whole whole thing. Up. This might be, it might be longer than the last one, which I thought. I thought this one was going to be the shortest one, but. Um... So did I. Well, the films are short, but the conversation around them is clearly not. And the memories last forever. Oh um, boy! So, <laughs> with all of that said, I've had a good time talking with you guys about found footage yeah. films. Yeah, um, this is a subject I really was glad we were covering here because it's always controversial and nobody ever talks about it with praise too yeah. much. So I was happy. And, to... and we've even, you know, we pointed out bad ones as well, and certainly what didn't yeah. help the genre. We've said, yeah, mo- a lot of it is bad, but there is like a, a very good stuff in there, effective stuff. With that said, next week's episode is going to go over horror comedy. That is our, oh, our oh. next one. Abe's already used up a lot of his list. Of I've course, used up a lot. But, of yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, there's more. There's, there's, more. there's plenty more, believe me. And that, that should be oh, a one to talk about as well. But for now, let's uh, let's talk about where people can find more of your work. So, Brandon Peters, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, cult Cinema Cavalcade, which is cultcinemacavalcade.com, and it's on iTunes. Uh, current episode is... Death Spa? Uh, Death, Death Spa with our guests, the girls in the back row, uh, who have a podcast on the Pink Orient Network, which is a great horror podcast to listen to. And our episode's really fun. I, la- I had a lot of laughs uh, recording it. And, uh, yeah, good times. Maxwell. Yeah, just uh, find me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell. And um, sort of between blogs right now, figuring out what to do with all that. All right. Abe. 
Uh, definitely check me out over at Instagram, Oakley Doakley, and Twitter, uh, Walrus Moose. Yeah, I will vouch for the quality of that Instagram. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard a compliment about my Instagram. <laughs> Every time it pops up, I'm like, oh, he's here now? Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I am at Aaron's PS4 on Twitter. You can find me at thecodezeek.com and find me over at screenrant.com as well. And um, yeah, as I said, um, horror comedies next week. Uh, if you have many more thoughts on found footage films or want to send us your favorite pick and reason why, email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Find all of our episodes, regular and bonus, over at Outnow Podcast on, um, <laughs> on Audio Boom and iTunes and uh, SoundCloud and HHW. There's all, you know, where we can find our show. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, our Facebook Do page, facebook.com slash podcast, or Twitter, twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And yeah, that's, uh, I think that's going to do it for this uh, special bonus episode. So thank thank you guys for joining us. Thanks guys for joining. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, and until next week's show, that's going to do it. So, so long. And goodbye. You hit me like a tall.